This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. This is the show where we give you, your family, your loved ones, the tools you need to grow healthier, happier lives. Happy Tuesday to you. Also, by the way, happy white chocolate day, which interestingly is what they call Ben. White chocolate. Don't they, Benny? You go white chocolate, you'll never go back. Yeah, yeah I've never heard that. That sounds weird. Creepy. It's also Dear Diary Day. Hobbit Day, which is also what they call Ben. The old Ben Baggins. Oh, it's, sorry. It's Frodo and Bilbo. Not. That is what they call me. Is this your day, Ben? Oh, yeah. The day we celebrate the birthday of Bilbo and Frodo Baggins. Are you into this series? Are you into The Hobbit? That's good. I'm, I don't Why'd really you just make that him. face? You just made a face. A Hobbit face. A, a Hobbit face? Well, yeah, it's it's a good show. It's a neat show. This is great music. I could just do this asleep. all day. <laughs> anyway, happy uh, Bilbo and Frodo Baggins' birthday. Mm-hmm. Elephant Appreciation Day. World Car Free Day. We need to be car free. free? Car free. That would have a long way to walk, though. Yeah. That wouldn't that, be, that would be fun, no. <laughs> we would have had to commute on the train today. That would be horrible. Happy Ice Cream Cone Day. Mm-hmm. National Voter Registration Day. It's a big day full of days. Hey, uh, it's also Get Out of the Race, Scott Walker Day. Mm-hmm. He's out. He's out. We're down to 14, I guess. Yeah. They're dropping like flies. 14 or 15? I don't know. According to Huffington Post, they said, and then there were 14. And then it was Rick Perry. I know. I, I wonder if that other one that nobody knew got in is still in. <laughs> That sounds so rude. So rude. So rude of you. But um, what do you think? I mean, two down, 14 to go is Mm -hmm. what Huffington Post headline says. Scott Walker's out of the race. I actually, I like how he got out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's just, he's just out. When you have less than 1% support and the money's not coming in. Yeah. That's a hint. Yeah. And you're sick and tired of, you know, Trump. It's so interesting how this can change so quickly. He was... The he front was the runner guy. not too long ago, oh, yeah. and everybody thought he was the guy, and now less than one half of 1% of the vote. That yeah. changes quickly. But isn't it Those great, debates make a big difference. They really do. And he got out, but I mean, he could have hung on. I mean, people hang on without any money, and they just don't do anything. But right. he's, he's asking the other candidates to get out. Get out of the race. Let's narrow this race down so we can get united around somebody that's not Trump. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying. Exactly. But, you know, man, just what a relief for... For Walker's family. I'm sure, yeah. Can you imagine just how good it would feel no. to go back to work? No. Man. I'm telling you. Yeah, he's got a lot on his plate in Wisconsin as well. Yeah. Well, congrats to him. Mm-hmm. And great job. I mean, that's why we have a democratic process. And if you're not doing well, get out. So for everyone, you know, else, seriously, evaluate. <laughs> Come on. Let's have a race. In fact... We'll buy you a Subway sandwich. Next guy to get out gets a Subway sandwich. That's fair. Or gal. 
I don't think Carly's getting yeah, out. Yeah, no. She's she's rising, so I don't think she'll be going anywhere She is a rising yeah. star. Did you see this crazy story about selfies? Mm-mm. Did you know that selfies kill more people than sharks? A year. <laughs> Yay. So, yeah. um, so well, shark th- attacks are rare, so that's probably true. Twelve people in the last year have died from selfies. Selfie inflicted. From falling or getting yeah. hit by a Self-related car? self-related deaths, okay. you know, like taking that selfie on the train tracks. Mm-hmm. Not when, a good idea. When you hear a rumbling behind you? Yep. I was hiking the Y yesterday. Why? <laughs> um, the Y is a Y on the mountain by Brigham Young University. Oh, yeah. You were climbing the mountain. I was climbing a mountain. Hiking toward the Y. Yes. And? And... There was a couple taking a selfie on the very edge of the cliff. Oh, brilliant. Smart, it was awesome. Yeah. And, and they were kissing, too, so mm-hmm. they, they weren't looking at no. where they were sitting. They were taking a selfie and kissing. Yeah. That's deadly. <laughs> My wife wants to deadly hike combo. the why, and I always say why. <laughs> why? She goes, I just think it would be a fun hike. I'm like, no. That's what Bronco Mendenhall does to get his team in shape. Uh-huh. Bronco goes too. That's why Bronco's in such good shape. No, he's ripped. Um, (laughs) Apparently, 12 people a year die from selfie-related deaths. Eight people have died from shark attacks this year. Wow. So especially don't take a selfie when you're in the water. In the water. With a shark nearby. It's a a big problem. The most recent (laughs) selfie-related death occurred in India – According to the BBC, a 66-year-old tourist named Hideto Uida died after attempting to take a selfie of himself for his friends and family to see. Per an eyewitness account, Uida and a friend fell to their untimely deaths after attempting to take a picture at the Taj Mahal's Royal Gate. Ah, sad. Isn't that sad? You don't want to die because of a selfie. Yeah. Come on. Okay, so here it is. Yeah. 15. 15 still in the race. It's still 15. Yeah, 15. So uh, can I get Terry? Can you call Huffington Post? Yeah, tell them they got it wrong. Yeah, they said 14 out of 2. They're, um, they're overlooking our good friend uh, Jim Gilmore. There you go. You can't overlook Jim Gilmore. He's no. still in the race. Have you, have you heard anything he said? No. I haven't heard a word. No, I, is it a him? I, haven't, a him. I, I don't a, know. <laughs> Jim's a him. Jim is a him. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Perry, Rick Perry's out. Scott mm-hmm. Walker's out. Yep. This just in. So let's see. Who's next? I'm guessing. Here's my guess. Well, Jim and then probably uh, George Pataki. I'm going to go, yeah, guess. George Pataki, mm-hmm. maybe Bondi, Bobby, Bobby Jindal. Bobby Jindal will be close. We'll be I think close Rick Santorum will hang around just for fun because mm-hmm. he hung around last time and yeah. got mm-hmm. came in second place. Right. By the way, do you know how many are on the Democratic side? We always just think of two. I could think, well, three. Yeah. I, I, I think of three. I don't know how many. Apparently declared uh, Lincoln Chafee, Hillary Clinton, Lawrence Lessig, Martin O'Malley, Bernie Sanders, and Jim Webb. Mm. Yeah, I was only thinking of Bernie Sanders, Martin O'Malley, and Hillary. And also possibles are Joe Biden uh-huh. and the the inventor of the internet, Al Gore. Uh, Al Gore, yeah. Where's he been? Haven't heard his name. Let's go. Come and on, Dennis Al. Kucinich. Remember him? Mm-hmm. He always – is he still around? I haven't heard of him yeah. lately. He ought to run. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, yeah. it'll be interesting to see if, if the Democrats have any more debates than, than the six they have planned. They need more. Yeah, they totally do. See, it's a, They it's, need to beat each other up. This has got to get exciting. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's already exciting. Don't get me wrong. 
But um, it's got to get more exciting in the next few months. Hey, uh, also the Pope's in town. I'm sure we'll hear about that in the news headlines. So let's go to Kathy, find out what's going on in the headlines. Well, as we've been talking about, Scott Walker announced yesterday he's bowing out of the GOP presidential race due to financial difficulties. He also recommended some of his fellow competitors to do the same. The Wisconsin governor said the debate is not focused on the optimistic view of America and is instead focused on personal attacks. Walker initially polled well, but Sunday CNN poll showed Walker received less than one half of one percent of the vote. Former Texas Governor Rick Perry was the first to quit the race nearly two weeks ago. According to the GOP power rankings experts, Donald Trump may be leading in the polls today, but it won't last. A panel of nearly 30 political experts agree Carly Fiorina will rise to the top spot as Trump begins to fade. Trump was asked about his future. I don't think panic is a word that I use, but, you know, sure, I'd like to stay on top. I'm going to do what's right. If I don't make it, that's okay. I'll go back to having a good time and building a business. In that same report in USA Today, Senator Marco Rubio is in third place. Pope Francis wraps up his trip to Cuba today, then boards a plane for Washington, D.C. President Obama and his wife will meet the Pope at the airport. Tomorrow, the Pope will meet with the President in a private Oval Office meeting, then will address both houses of Congress on Thursday. A massive police force will be ready as some are calling the Pope's visit the largest security operation in U.S. history. Through good screening, good intelligence gathering, and really paying attention to what's going on. That was Philadelphia Mayor Michael Nutter. The Pope will visit that city as well as New York. Volkswagen admitted yesterday to using software to evade pollution tests in 11 million of their diesel cars around the world. If they need to add additional hardware to these vehicles in order to make them compliant with American emission standards, it could add thousands of dollars to the cost of all 482,000 of these vehicles. So that would be a sizable amount of money. It's tough to really gauge how much that could be. Ryan Bean of Automat Automotive News. The German car maker said it plans to spend $7.3 billion to service the cars affected, including Golf, Passat, Jetta, and Beetle diesel cars sold in the U.S. between 2009 and 2015. Stuart Parnell, a former peanut executive, was sentenced to 28 years in prison yesterday for his role in the deadly salmonella outbreak. It was the harshest sentence ever handed out to a producer in a foodborne illness case. Three deaths were linked to the outbreak. The 61-year-old Parnell was convicted of knowingly shipping contaminated peanut butter and manipulating lab tests that were meant to screen for salmonella. Parnell's brother was sentenced to 20 years, and Mary Wilkerson, who was the plant's quality control manager, was sentenced to five years behind bars. A federal jury in Denver yesterday convicted a man of murdering his wife by pushing her off a cliff. The couple was hiking in Colorado's Rocky Mountain National Park, celebrating their 12th wedding anniversary. Harold Henthorne said his wife, Tony, accidentally fell 130 feet, but the jury rejected that claim and convicted him of first-degree murder. Prosecutors argued the man stood to benefit from her $4.7 million life insurance policies. And Matt, as the sad news I shared on, well, with you anyway, that we had to put our dog down yes. on Friday, which is just horrible. That is tragic. It is such a, such a difficult thing. Here's a great dog story. So Tilly, a setter mix, saw another dog, Phoebe, a basset hound, had fallen into a cistern. Tilly only left Phoebe's side to alert people of her trapped friend. Well, the oh, two that's dogs great. were found after they were both reported missing by their owners. Volunteers began looking for the pair when they received a call about a dog being seen on someone's property a few times before promptly running back to the ravine. They found Phoebe on a pile of stones just above the water. Both dogs were cold and hungry, but otherwise unharmed. Mm. There's the cutest picture of that. That dog just sitting just there looking, looking down, down going, I'm little... trying to get you help, buddy. Oh, I know. I'm trying. How long was the dog there? Two weeks. What? Yeah. What did what did the dog eat? 
Well, the, not Maybe nothing. the other dog went and took got, got some the takeout. hot dogs or something. Yeah, yeah it could have been and came and. Oh yeah, that was down. a sad picture. Yeah, that was a sad picture. So yeah, they were there for quite a while. Tilly, and, uh, go get hungry. go get help. Help, Phoebe, please. This I'm is... trying. Isn't that cute? <laughs> that is cute. I need to see those. You know they, know they know when you're in trouble. But was your dog like that? Oh my gosh, that's just this that. For anybody out there who's had to put a dog down, you know how horrible that is. Yeah. I didn't think I could go in with her, but then I thought, I can't just let a stranger. Well, no you know, way. it was horrible. Yeah, it was bad. My so bad. my wife, we won't have a dog because, because of that. Because of that. If dogs didn't die, we'd have like 20 of them. <laughs> they lived forever. We were fortunate. She lived to almost 16, so that's really good. Well, that's, that's the amazing, too. we've ever had a dog. Wasn't she a chain smoker? She was. And, Which is um, weird. Yeah, it was crazy. She just it never affected her whatsoever, <laughs> and uh, she breathed oh. quite well. <laughs> dogs are cute, and they yet um, they – was your dog smart like that, very like Phoebe smart. and Tilly? She was, a, she was a tiny toy poodle. Very, very smart. Yeah. Those dogs are very smart. So, but yeah. the interesting thing, we have two others, so we had three dogs. Wow. And they have they – don't, I don't think they understand that the other one's gone, but they know that something's wrong with me, so they've just been – Really? really close They've to been me. attentive they to you. Yes, they won't leave me. I, you know I what? So Again, the doctor in me says that's probably not what's going on. Oh, oh great. They Thanks, knew Matt. that you took the other dog <laughs> and now the dog's not alive. <laughs> and they're all like, be nice to her. She is. You're next. Ruthless. You're next. She's going to oh, get you. Thanks a lot. No, that's I was thinking that's because they love me. They do love you. Okay. They're also terrified of you. <laughs> terrified. Anyway, oh, that's wow, sad. Wow, you just totally well, burst my bubble. Totally. Sorry. Just trying to bring you the, the truth. That's what we try to do on the show. Hey, up, uh, up next, a great man's going to be joining us, Chris Williams. Um, what a moving story. And as we're preparing next week, there is a day of forgiveness, next Monday, I believe it is, where the world unites to create a, a spirit of forgiveness in this world. Chris Williams is a man who has... Uh, He's taught us all an incredible lesson, and now there's a movie coming out about his life. The movie will be released next Monday. It's called Just Let Go. Chris Williams is on the phone with us. He's here to talk about uh, the incredible story of forgiveness and of just letting go, where a drunk driving teenager crashed into his car with his family, killing his wife, his pregnant wife, their unborn child, and two of Chris Williams' children, He's here to tell us the story and to uh, talk about this new movie coming out. Stick with us, folks. Great guest. I promise you will want to listen to this one. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. So honored to have our next guest on the show. I actually had a uh, the chance to go see this new movie coming out called Just Let Go. And they were having a private screening, and I got to meet Chris Williams there. He's the author of the book Let It Go. And um, the story is, is now coming out uh, in a special one-day release, uh, which will be on Monday, September 28th. Just Let Go, and it will be released to 500 theaters around the country. So go Google. Um, if you want, you can get tickets by just going to the website justletgomovie.com and find out where it's playing in your area. But uh, you're going to want to listen up. Um, one of the most moving, incredible stories of forgiveness 
And and just uh, it's a perfect example, I think, of life. Every one of us has somewhere that we just need to let go. Pain brought on by past abuse, by by tragedies, by mistakes that people have made. And yet we carry the pain and we carry it and it ends up beating us up. So I wanted to have uh, Chris Williams on the show. Um, Chris tragically uh, was involved in an accident um, back, I, I believe it was like in 2000, we'll ask Chris, um, in 2009 maybe, where he lost his wife, uh, uh, 2007, where he lost his wife that uh, was pregnant with one of uh, a, one of their children and lost two other children. Uh, and then another child was involved in the car accident that survived and um, Chris very uh, powerfully, and this movie talks about it, was able to find forgiveness for the boy that that was the cause of all of it. So we're so honored to have you. Chris Williams, thanks for being on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. Seriously, that movie, Chris, um, sitting through it, was it was incredible, honestly, just to see some of the, the, the storyline. But the idea then after when I met you, I thought, how did Chris sit through that? What's it like, Chris, to have a movie produced and written about your most difficult time in life? Uh, you, it was interesting. It was just surreal. Just, uh, in fact, you know, watching it, just, I had seen it a few times before, but even watching it that night uh, with everyone there, um, you know, just that thought crossed the mind, this is, a, this is about me. It's kind of mm. very odd, very surreal. It, it, it's... Uh, but thankfully, it's a movie that's about forgiveness. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I, I mean, I've read your book, and I talk about your story a lot in my workshops with my clients, and it's such a healing story. Will you just go through and tell us the story? Um, just tell us the story and, and, and the impact of what happened. Uh, sure. So it was just uh, February 9th, 2007. Um, my family, all my family except my oldest son, we were driving to get a treat uh, going into the 20th East Underpass in Salt Lake City, where it, uh, the, the road ducks down underneath I-80 freeway. And as soon as we could see the oncoming traffic, there was a car coming at us at freeway speeds in a 30-mile-an-hour zone, and there was nothing I could do to avoid being struck, and we were uh, hit on the passenger side. Um, and immediately after the impact, I was awake and aware and trying to you know, feel for a, a pulse on my wife's uh, arm and uh, knew that uh, she had a gash that wasn't bleeding. And, and my children in the backseat had, had, you know, had some injuries as well. But just the sense there was that they were gone uh, and that no amount of CPR or emergency assistance was going to bring them back. Um, and, and the immediate grief and overpowering, kind of soul-compressing grief that came in that moment was just overwhelming. I wanted to be done with life as well. But uh, in the middle of that, you know, those painful thoughts, as I looked at the car that had just struck us, um, I heard as if it was over my shoulder being spoken to me, uh, the words, let it go. Hmm. And I knew in that instant that this was not a suggestion. It wasn't a, you know, a helpful hint. Uh, this was a command that I was absolutely to let this, to commit to let it go. Um, and so I did it just then and there, right? As I sat in the seat, um, committed to let it go. And, and it was amazing how immediate my perspective started to change on what uh, what had just pre- been presented to my family. Oh, yeah, and you you were stuck in the car for uh, for a little bit. The, the the paramedics took a while to get there, but I, I what I love about your book, and I think it's one of the most powerful things I've ever heard, is even though you were stuck in the car, the peace that you had. Exactly. I mean, once I committed to, to kind of, in, in a sense, exercise faith in Christ. Yeah, that's really what I think that, that those words meant. 
um, you know, the healing immediately came. I was, as I looked back at, at you know, as you mentioned, there was some time there that before that I was uh, removed from the car. So I had some time to, to you know, then to look back uh, at my wife and my children. And it was amazing how suddenly I noticed their, how peaceful they looked. Mm. Um, I didn't notice the injuries or anything else. It wasn't the trauma. It was, it was, it was as if they had gone to sleep. Um, and so it was that, that quickly how, you know, my physical perspective started to change. And I think my spiritual perspective did too. Yeah. Uh, to the point that by the time I got to the emergency room, uh, you know, I, and, and found out that it was a, a teenager that had struck us, you know, I wanted him to be okay. I wanted people to pray for him. Um, you know, I, I was more concerned, I think, about him than even I was, you know, the, the neighbors, friends, and surviving family. I just, um, his was the soul we needed to go after that night. And so, um, it's it's interesting yeah, the turmoil perspective change because you 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 had your change um, and yet what was I think profound and is profound about the movie that uh, will be out next Monday just let go is the fact that um, even though you had the change you know there's still the legal system there's still family members that are like no Chris you need to go after this you need to sue his family. Um, you need to press the, you know, you need to press the law as much as you can. And, and so you, you have everyone else plus the systems of humanity also trying to maybe play in on your desire to forgive. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting, you know, how many people kind of found it, um, it was almost like they were questioning the, the, you know, genuine nature of it. It just, just because they, they couldn't get their heads around how somebody could do that. Right. Um, you know, they would apply it to their own situation and say, boy, if anyone did that to my family, I would do this, I would mm-hmm. do that, I would be angry. I would... And I think they looked at what had, what had happened. But to your point, they, they hadn't had that moment right. of, uh, of, you know, that, of being told to let it go. So for them, it was a little bit more of a process of forgiving, of, of, of you know, finding that, that point where they could say, okay, I can pick the date, I can commit to let it go and, and move on as well. And it was, in fact, your mother in the movies played by, by Brenda Vaccaro who um, she really struggles because she was, I guess, stepping in, helping out, um, being there for you. And, you know, you still, even though you had the peace and knew it was right, you still had to go through the process of grieving and and then just the bills. And your, and your older son that was home that wasn't involved in the accident was struggling as well. So how did your mom process through it? So it's interesting, you know, in the, in the movie, they, um, there's, there's only a few characters that they could kind of cast, and so she's a little bit more of played a, as an amalgam in the movie of, of, of you know, neighbors, friends, mm-hmm. some family, and so just, a, you know, general comments that were made. Uh, but, you know, overall, it, um, you know, with all of them, they were all able to get to the point where they could kind of follow the lead and, and let it go and, and move forward. So my, my sons, they, they just looked at the example I was uh, setting out, uh, and they decided to follow it. And so, you know, in talking to them since, they've indicated that they've never really felt any anger towards the young man. They've just decided to do what I did, let it go. And and my mother has as well, and my you know dad. And, and just it was amazing how that kind of rippled out through the family and just changed hearts. Yeah. Um, as it did, and into the community, just changing hearts of, of those that uh, neighbors and friends that were so impacted. And, and then based on the example of forgiveness, they decided to do the same, to, you know, Ask that question, boy. If, if if Chris Williams can do it yeah. in that situation, why can't I let go of of the things that have been holding me back? Oh, I mean, it really. And I, again, I've told you, I've I've used it with my classes. And if you know, if if Chris Williams can forgive the the loss of his 
wife and three children and the injury of another child and then the emotional injury of his other child, man, why can't we just get over the fact that your wife didn't make you a lunch today? You know, it's like, come on. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Well, Chris, let's take a break. We'll come back. I want to continue uh, learning from you. Find out what what are some things the rest of us can do um, just in our everyday life. To, to have that change and to be able to just let go. Again, we're speaking with Chris Williams, author of the book, Let It Go. Uh, really, a book you have to go get. That is, It's one of the greatest peace-bringing reads you'll have. And also, uh, a new movie coming out Monday, September 28th, uh, called Just Let Go, which tells his story. It's being released um, for the uh, 2-2 Global Forgiveness Challenge which is about worldwide effort to create forgiveness on um, that on Monday, September 28th. Um, stick with us. We'll be right back. You can find out more about the movie by just going to justletgomovie.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, that song is How to Let Go. Interestingly, ironically, full disclosure, this, this is my son, Tanner Townsend, who was asked to sing a song for the soundtrack of the movie. So as a family, we got to know Chris Williams through my son, my 18-year-old son, who, by the way, uh, very close to the age of the boy, that crashed uh, into um, Chris Williams and his family. I mean, it's incredibly touching. And then my son went with us to meet Chris and to go to the preview of the movie. Joining us on the phone is Chris Williams, author of the book Let It Go. And uh, the story has now been made into a movie called Just Let Go, which will be released Monday, September 28th. It is a, a true blue story of forgiveness. And uh, one man having to just let go. And he's here today to teach us about how to take a tragedy and find the peace that can can reside, you know, in in the margins of the tragedy. Chris Williams, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, it's an honor. It really is a uh, it's a powerful story. And what's interesting, Chris, you were an IT architect and a systems engineer. Now you're an executive at IBM. And did you ever think you'd turn into this iconic man of forgiveness? <laughs> no, it's, it's you know, it's in, in looking across the last eight years, it's it's really been kind of a, an, an unofficial mission in the sense that there have been thousands of lives that have been positively impacted. Um, and for me, what's driven me forward through this is just you know, if if it if if what I experienced and and of course with the, with the passing of my wife and two of my children, if if they can, in in a way, uh, represent healing in the lives of others through sharing this story and and you know positively impacting others, then it. it it's it's an honor to them, um, yeah. And it, you know, it means they lived for something, and so it's a, it's a way for me to kind of honor their memory, and to um, and I think they live on, and I think they're engaged in a lot of this this help they're doing too. So it's also a way for me to I think stay close to them in, in this work of of um, you know helping others. What? How did you? Um, because in the movie, it tells the whole story, and it's so powerfully done because we really get to feel a lot of what you're going through and 
it's not an easy process because even when you have a peaceful moment, you still have to go deal with the bills and you still have to go deal with life and your kids. Um, talk to us just about uh, the boy that hit your family. And I, I know eventually you went and started working with him and, and doing some speeches with him. I know you met him. Talk to us about him. Oh, sure. You know, and, and I guess what's the, the interesting aspect here is that, you know, from, you know he's a he's a wonderful person and he's uh, you know a, a, he's my brother mm-hmm. he's a a fellow you know child of god he's a um you know in, in so many ways he is not someone that, that i you know should ever be tempted to be angry with um and in getting to know him and, and especially letting go it, it allowed me to get to know him without having to kind of look at him through you know my own weakness of of anger or vengeance or anything else uh, having that stripped away i was able to to you know see him as he really is and and to reach out to him, and not only that, but also to feel the love that um, that I believe the Savior has for him. You know, mm-hmm. And I felt that on the emergency room table after just after I'd been wheeled in out of the car, um, I just felt the mercy and love that uh, that the Savior had for him. Um, and so, as I met him about a year or so after the crash, you know, that was kind of the main message I wanted to relay to him is that that well, he is loved, mm. and uh, and that he, you know. D- d- that life isn't over. I mean, this this one incident did not need to terminate, uh, you know, any future that he might have. Yeah. Uh, in fact, just the opposite. He could pick a date, and I encouraged him to, to pick a date, to do the same, let it go, just as I had done, and then from that date forward, reinvent and and have the experience a rebirth of life. Uh, and he has stayed. He's made that commitment and stayed absolutely true to it. And he has done exactly that. I mean, he's a, a completely new person, and so in that sense, that you know, when we talk of a 17-year-old boy doing this, I mean, that that 17-year-old boy doesn't even exist anymore. Right. Um, and so that's another beautiful thing about forgiveness is that it can take those, you know, the people that inflict, you know, whatever injury or harm, um, and when it's forgiveness and there's the atonement applied and everything else, boy, they're gone. They no longer um, exist, and there can be a completely new person that's born into our lives. I mean, what a we can love and and have the friendship with that. That really is, I guess, why forgiveness is so essential. It lets you go, so you can move on and be who you are. But it also has the chance to heal the other when they see your willingness to to let it go. Absolutely, you know, and and just as the Savior promised, those those sins, those issues, you know, that that person isn't even spoke of anymore. They're not even brought up anymore. And mm-hmm. so, I think that's what's beautiful about. The, the atonement in general is just it allows everybody to experience that rebirth on a daily basis. That you can become the person that you, you know, the, the ideal you that you want to become, and you can do it on a daily basis. And, and the, the person that, you know, has the imperfection, everything else, that that can be stripped away and, and, and buried, so to speak. And, um, and it's just a beautiful way to, to approach life every day as an opportunity to reinvent, experience rebirth, and to move forward. It seems like, too, um, in the movie, it showed a lot about everybody else's need to kind of demonize maybe the boy and to demonize his family. Have you, what's it like? And there's a scene in there where you have let go and you just take flowers to the mom, I guess, and you write her a note. What was it like with, what what was it like with her parents, with his parents? Um, yeah, that was a beautiful memory I have. I mean, it was Mother's Day right after the crash, and of course it was a tender day because I was, you know, now um, experiencing the loss of my mo- or my wife on that day and not being able to kind of honor her. But um, you know, it was, just, it was as if I felt her spirit, yeah, uh, telling me that you know that you've got you know go do this. This is important to do this, and so it was very healing for me. 
Uh, but you know, you know they're wonderful individuals. I mean, they're amazing people. Mm-hmm. I've just been able to get to know the whites, and I I think of him as my brother, and and she is my sister. I just, in a sense, their family has really become a part of my family. Um, and I know that may seem you know unbelievable to many, but but that's how I look at it. I mean, as I look at kind of my final destiny in heaven, you know, with my reunited with my wife and my children, you know, I want them there as well because I want, you know, I want it to be a, a, an example or a, a monument, a testament, just to the, the the fact that the atonement really does empower us to unite through love as a as a you know an extended. Yeah family of uh, brothers and sisters here on this earth and that's empowered through forgiveness through patience through long suffering through kindness through you know the giving the benefit of the doubt and and not rushing to judgment and and not desiring vengeance or anger or anything else it's um i mean it's there's a beautiful outcome that i i think that occurs when we do those things and we allow the savior through his grace to heal us wow in our lives and that unites us as a family again Talk about the day of uh, kind of the global forgiveness challenge and and Desmond Tutu and and how your movie uh, is going to be released. Sure. So on uh, September 28th, we we're having a, a night of forgiveness, um, and this is you know you can go on to, to, to justletgomovie.com and there you can you know, put in the zip code and it'll show you all the theaters in the in the Wasatch Front or throughout the nation actually where this is playing. Um, but the Night of Forgiveness is, you know, we want this to be an impactful event where if, if somebody is struggling to let go or somebody wants to know how to do it, you know, to prepare for the, a future offense or anything else, that they can come to this event and see the movie, have a, also a panel discussion about forgiveness where we're going to be issuing kind of the, the formal seven-day challenge, instructing people how they can go through in seven days to let go of whatever it is that's you know, holding them back or to prepare so that they can be ready to, you know, to react just as I did in, in the instant and let it go so immediately um, through that. And then the, the, we've got a, a, an artist that's going to be performing live, Justin Brewster. He'll be performing a song for that. Uh, so we knew this was going to be a powerful, emotional, impactful film. Um, and we wanted it just to, to not be a, a standard movie viewing experience. We wanted people to come and have the opportunity not to see the mo- not only to see the movie, but to also – decide to change their lives uh, based on that. So yeah. That's why we've kind of constructed a night of forgiveness out of it rather than just a premiere of a movie. That's, I think it's brilliant. And 500 theaters nationwide. Um, so you just have to go to justletgomovie.com, type it in, and then it'll, you can put in your zip code and it'll, it'll show you where to go. It would, and it sounds like it's a great thing to do if you have somebody in your family struggling. If there's somebody particularly caught up or hooked on a past, you know, misdoing of someone else, this might be a great way to to shake it free. It is, the movie is, it's just, it's, you, you get so caught up, Chris, in your story and your son's story. I mean, your oldest son struggled a lot, it seems like. Um, talk a little bit about how he was able to let go. Sure. So, you know, with with anything so dramatic, such a dramatic change of, you know, suddenly not having a mother... Uh, present or you know two of the closest his closest siblings um, yeah it just completely shook his world and as a uh, 14 year old uh, it's just a very vulnerable time anyway when you're trying to you know fit into society with friends and you know wondering how you even look so it was a a very difficult time for him to to uh, be presented with that type of a challenge and it was a struggle I mean he kind of buried or suppressed a lot of his emotions and feelings 
um, especially as additional change came in. I mean, I, I remarried about a year after that. We've since had two children coming into, our, you know, being blessed with two children in that marriage. But, you know, all the change that comes with just that situation uh, was very difficult for him. But, um, you know, the, the light did come back on. I mean, he started to experience this, that healing. He started to figure out, and I think it was able to develop a, uh, an incredibly mature witness of of Christ, of, of how, you know, he he was impacted personally by that grace and that enabling power mm. to start to do things that were beyond his own natural capacity. And, uh, you know, based on that kind of witness and, and uh, testimony, um, you know, it, it just changed his life. And he has uh, now d- done phenomenally well, yeah. and I think is incredibly wise and uh, has a depth to him that, uh, that, that life's experiences has um, gifted him with. It, it seems like a, a big part of your willingness to forgive is so tied to your belief system, your faith in in a higher power in God. Now, the movie I know is is non denominational, so it's more just. It, but it does. It's about it's it's about God, but it's not. It's not like it's not like a preachy story. Um, t- talk about what people will will be able to to see about God and learn about God in the movie. Well, I think that, that he is real, I mean, that he lives, that he knows us, and that um, that he does have our back. I, I think, you know, one of the natural reactions to, that I uh, was confronted with is, that, you know, boy, where is God in, in your life? And I was trying to do what was right. I was trying to, you know, keep those commandments and, and you know, be the, the good boy. And, the, um, and then all of a sudden this happens, right? And so it was easy for people that don't believe to, to fire off those pot shots and say, right. you know, boy, this is what your belief gets you is, is this. And, um, and I've, my experience has been just the opposite, but I think I've been, there have been just tremendous blessings that have come from, uh, this experience. And then in a way that, um, you know, our trials and tragedies, our afflictions are really for our good, um, and for our benefit. You know, it, it's interesting. If I didn't, if I hadn't been exposed to these things, you know, I don't know that I would have really appreciated or understood even the, the, the Savior. Mm. Um, you know, and, and we all want to be like Him. We want to, you know, live with Him again. But um, you know, living with a stranger or something that we don't understand is, would be kind of uncomfortable. But I think you know, treading in our own way a, a little bit of that, uh, the wine press, so to speak, and and drinking from that bitter cup. You know, if we can take our own little measure of it. You know, in a way, we'll understand him so much better when we are able to be with him. Oh yeah. And so for me, that, that's an that's an eternal blessing. You know, this life is so short, and and if I can kind of you know take my bitter pill now and and kind of work through that, knowing that I'll have an eternity to appreciate that that relationship I have with him, uh, then it makes it worth it. It makes it worth it for me and my family, and and of course uh, my wife and children. And I know they're taken care of and and, and blessed. So yeah. You know, you almost need so that. It's really kind of the overarching message of this movie. It's in a non-preachy, kind of non-forceful way. It just reaffirms the fact that, uh, that there, there is a plan and that uh, God is real and that uh, you know He can heal if we allow Him to. Hmm. And it's um, in the end too. What I what I find is everyone can relate to it at one level or another because it's 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 also just the day to day relationships. It's the parent child relationship. It's the mother son relationship that we see in the movie. It's it's a, it's numerous relationships where this forgiveness takes place. It's also I see it's contagious, and where one person, if one person has the strength to become the change, um, it can become contagious, and others can use that positive spirit to, and use almost your belief, your energy, your faith, 
to to create change in their lives. So it, it's that's I think that's why it's a brilliant way to release it. Monday, September twenty eighth, just let go is is the movie. Go to the website justletgomovie.com and type it in. Um, as we as we have you um, for about one more minute, Chris, will you just tell us what could the average person do right now just to let go? If they have a pain, a problem, what can they do today? Sure. I speak a lot about forgiveness, uh, F-O-R-E, forgiveness. I think this is a, a, a kind of a gift you can pre-give yourself. You know, if you're not facing a situation where you, you feel like you need to forgive somebody, you can at least commit now to say, you know what, when, when the offense comes, I'm going to try to forgive. I'm going to you know, commit now to to, to take that path. And I think that's an important way to approach um, to, to approach life. And I think that's the, the, the key takeaway I would give to somebody in that situation is, you know, to make the decision now before you need to, mm. that you'll, you'll try and take that path. And then when the offense comes, you'll be, I think, much more disposed to, to taking that path. Yeah. No, I, for F-O-R-E, that's, that's such a great way to, I mean, you can anticipate you're going to be offended in the next year. Bet on it, right? Yes, <laughs> it could be on the freeway tonight. So that's exactly right. Decide that you'll handle it a different way. Oh, uh, you're good, Chris Williams. Appreciate it, and uh, keep up the great work. Again, he's the author of the book "Let It Go." You can find that on Amazon, everywhere out there. Also, the movie coming out, uh, "Just Let Go." Chris Williams, thanks for being here. Powerful stuff, you guys. I mean, this is a movie you want to go see. I promise. I promise. Uh, take people that need to let go of stuff. Go find the go find the movie. Justletgomovie.com. Go to that website. Find out where it's going to be in your community. It's only going to be out one day um, on a national release, Monday, the twenty eighth of September. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Are you easily offended? I mean, it seems like in today's day and age of everybody taking offense, political correctness, everybody could, everyone's saying something that could offend someone. Maybe we live in a day and age where we don't want to forgive. In fact, sometimes forgiveness seems as like weakness. I sat uh, recently talking with some clients who are probably going to divorce. They're they're done. And interestingly, I talked to them separately, but they both know that they're a little messed up. And um, they both even agree that the other person has information that would be really valuable for them to know before they move on. But they don't want to have a conversation to talk about it because to actually have to admit they're part of the problem. I mean, they do. I I admit I'm part of the problem, but we know who the real problem is, and it's not me. So what's amazing is they're not really gung-ho on meeting. 
instead, they just kind of want to hurry and get divorced. And I'm like, well, don't you think at the very least, after this many years of marriage, you owe it to each other to come clean on your junk and to just let each other go without anger and hatred and learn whatever you can from your partner so that you don't have to go repeat this in the next relationship. Yeah, I'll just do that after. I'll do that. I'll do that on my own. But you can't necessarily learn it on your own because you're biased, right? You're always going to have written in your heart that it was your messed up partner that caused this. So if we can't let go, folks, you can't learn. And if you can't learn, you can't change. So no matter how hard you want to hate somebody or have vengeance for somebody, it's only stifling you and your growth, right? It's you that will pay the price when you can't let go. I know it feels good sometimes to hang on, but we got to let go. Just let go. That's the Day of Forgiveness, Monday, September 28th. Just let go in theaters. Go to the website, justletgomovie.com. Take your family to it. Great discussion. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back next hour. More ideas, more tools to help you find the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Doing what we can to help you grow healthier and stronger Welcome to the program. I, however, am not healthy and I'm not strong. That's why I'm staying away. I'm, I know. I've got my, my microphone cover your covering guard. my whole face so you don't breathe on me. <laughs> I keep trying uh, to send my germs your way. Uh, hey, great interview with Chris. Wasn't that that great? was fantastic. He I is mean, the neatest guy. That is really a remarkable thing that he's done. I yeah. mean, to for, be able to forgive like that so quickly, I find remarkable. That you, was need, great. You, you need to go see that movie. Yeah, I'm going it's, to. That sounds it, wonderful. It'll. Uh, Monday, September 28th, justletgomovie.com. Could you forgive that quickly? Um, no. Not for no. something so tragic. That well, was And your I, body, you want to you want to hang on to the anger. Yeah, I'm sure. You want don't you think you yes. want to be mad? Yeah. But, but he immediately knew he had to forgive him. Yeah. That's just amazing to me. And and it's also the book too, Let It Go is an amazing book because it walks you through what he was doing in the car. He was stuck. But he had already kind of had this peaceful witness, and he says he actually got to sit there and have a private kind of viewing with each of his family members. Mm, wow. Which allowed him to kind of go through it and then move on so that he could help everyone else through it. He then he was a, he was a bishop of his church, a leader of his church, mm-hmm. a lay leader, and the next Sunday he was at church talking at church. Wow. And basically telling everyone at church, we appreciate your prayers, but pray for that boy. That's amazing. That boy needs that's your a, prayers. That's a, that's a miracle. It's pretty cool. No doubt about it. Wow. And then in the movie, there's a twist. Mm. There's a little Gotta twist. Us. And the twist tells you he had something happen to him really early mm-hmm. when he was a teenager that, that made a yes. huge difference in uh-huh. all of this. Uh-huh. 
And so go see the movie. Just and it's an interesting know. because it was probably because of that what happened early that allowed him to do that. Yeah. I, mean, I, I definitely no, I think, think so. that's why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and it, so it got his mind wrapped around it as a teenager. Otherwise, right. teenagers don't mm-hmm. usually get their, yeah. their mind wrapped well, around I'm some of this stuff. I'm looking forward to that. Did you see, by the way, um, that uh, you – selfies, by the way, we talked about earlier, are worse than – uh, shark attacks. Mm-hmm. You're more likely to be hurt by a selfie than a shark attack. Right. But there's a guy getting ready to he's he's quit his job to go train for the selfie record. Oh god. Holy cow. The most selfies taken in a certain period of time? Uh-huh. Is that it? Banu Prakash, 24, recently quit his job as a research assistant at a hospital to become the record-breaking selfie taker. Mm. Which again could kill you. Well, who would want that over you know right. doing something as as important as what he's doing in the hospital? You know whose motivation <laughs> was? He was inspired by the achievements of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, oh, jeez, who took 105 selfies in three minutes? Come oh, on. So he's trying to get the most in three minutes. Yeah, that's the record. Okay. Patrick Peterson. Managed... So he's leaving his job. What do you get for that? You get nothing, okay. but you get in the Guinness Eternal fl- Fame. Yeah, internal flame is right. <laughs> fame. Oh, did you say fame? <laughs> Sorry. His, uh, his the, the he's going for the world record of fourteen hundred and forty nine selfies taken in one hour. So he, you quit your job for that? Yeah. Can't you just take a couple days off? Or well, something? no. He's a world class athlete. <laughs> he's working his wrist out. Yeah. His his uh, photo finger. He's mm. getting it all ready with hand and wrist exercises because he he's going to take it. He's pretty sure he can hit eighteen hundred selfies in an hour. Wow. Good for him. Yeah, that's important. Mm-hmm. Wonder if we'll get carpal tunnel. Probably. Yeah. Why? You know what? Keep your job. I know. It's hard to get a job. Oh. Keep your job. Do you know what the number one job is in the country? The top three, by the way. Number one job paying as far wise. as oh, paying wise. Annual gross salary. Doctor. Top three Doctor. doctors. Yep. So the first one's a surgeon, makes about three fifty. Three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Uh, 352 for a surgeon. Psychiatrist is number two, about 180. General practitioner is about 180. You know, it's interesting when you th- <laughs> you talk about those numbers and you compare them to a world-class athlete that makes tens of millions of dollars a year. Right. Crazy. Or world-class selfie takers uh-huh. that make hundreds of hundreds of dollars <laughs> and get sponsored by and selfie sticks. Job? Yeah, that's, that's, a good, that's a good comparison. Dentists are number five. Hmm. They're all the medical world. Yeah. It's a lot of and then That's petroleum what? engineer. Then you get into all the sciences. All the engineering, yeah. I'm trying to see orthodontist would be seventh. I'm trying to see where radio talk show host comes in. Data scientist. Hmm. Down the list a little bit. Air traffic controller. I feel like our job's a lot like that. 122,000. <laughs> Pharmacist. By the way, speaking of pharmacy, I'm on about 20 drugs right now to get rid of this cough. Uh-huh. I can't breathe. <laughs> Every time I turn off my microphone, I'm hacking. I'm hacking. First, it's the plantar. My plantar is healed. Now it's my. Yeah, it's gone lungs. to your lungs. Yeah, I've that been systematically be poisoning you, so that's probably why. No, I know. That's why I'm not eating any more of your homemade brownies. <laughs> You're making me sick. So let's uh, let me go have a cough break, and yeah. while we do that, let's go to Kathy Aiken and find let's out what's in the headlines. Pope Francis today called on Cuba to live, quote, a revolution of tenderness. The Pope is wrapping up his visit there before flying to Washington, D.C. this afternoon, the 10th visit by a Pope to America. The Pope is scheduled to have a private meeting with President Obama in the Oval Office, then plans to address both houses of Congress on Thursday. The Pope will also visit New York and Philadelphia. 
This Pope likes to get out and mingle. The Vatican folks, I think, wanted us to see that and see how they work and to, to make sure we would be able to accommodate that within reason. And, you know, I believe we can. That was Dave Beach of the Secret Service, who's in charge of the Pope's security detail in Philadelphia. The Pope's visit is being called the largest security operation in U.S. history. Scott Walker is walking away from his GOP presidential run. The Wisconsin governor made the announcement yesterday. I will suspend my campaign immediately. I encourage other Republican presidential candidates to consider doing the same so that the voters can focus on a limited number of candidates who can offer a positive, conservative alternative to the current frontrunner. Yeah, Walker said the debate is not focused on the optimistic view of America and is instead focused on personal attacks. Walker's poll numbers were near the bottom and he struggled with financial issues. Volkswagen lost nearly 30 percent of its market value after the German automaker admitted to an emissions scandal. Volkswagen reportedly fitted 11 million diesel vehicles with software made to trick emissions testing. The car maker said it's setting aside nearly $7.3 billion to cover the fallout. The cars affected include the Jetta, Golf, Passat, Beetle and the Audi A3s sold between 2009 and 2015. Kim Davis, the Kentucky County clerk who was jailed for not issuing same-sex marriage licenses, could be headed back to court. Attorneys for two gay couples have questioned the, valid- the validity of the new marriage licenses and has asked a federal judge to order Davis's office to reissue them. They're not valid in God's eyes, for one. You know, I think the authority I have given no authority to write a marriage license. They did not have my permission. They did not have my authorization. That was Kim Davis, who said she's prepared to return to jail over her beliefs. A former peanut executive was sentenced to 28 years in prison yesterday for his role in a deadly salmonella outbreak. Three deaths were linked to the outbreak. The 61-year-old Parnell was convicted of knowingly shipping contaminated peanut butter and manipulating lab tests that were meant to screen for salmonella. And Matt, an award ceremony honoring humorous scientific achievement took place recently. Mm. Here's one of the winners. You ready? This this is something you may want to look into. Oh, yeah. Michael Smith, he allowed honeybees to to sting him in 25 different places by nearly 200 honeybees. What? Smith discovered the three most painful places to be stung were... Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) Nostril. Yes. Eyeball. Nope. Really? Upper lip. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And and, uh, other places... In the narrow regions. There you go. <laughs> Those are the three. Really? Yes. So uh, Smith Ouch. shared the prize for physiology and entomology with Justin Schmidt. He's a professor at the University of Arizona who <laughs> devised a pain scale for insect stings. Oh, my God. That could be your new job. Can't you see at the award ceremony they wheel this guy up in a wheelchair? <laughs> his, his eyes lips, swollen, his lips long, his top five vif. A oh, man, man from the Netherlands won the prize for literature for determining the word huh? huh is used in languages around the world. Well, that's important. And a woman from the University of Vienna in Austria won the mathematics prize for figuring out whether it was possible for Moroccan Emperor Moulay Ismail to have sired 888 children during Ooh. his 30-year reign that ended in 1727. Apparently, that was possible and could have been done with as few as 65 women, not the 500 in his harem. With as few as 65 <laughs> women, not the 500. He could have 888 children. Oh, so she won a prize cow. for that mathematics. Yeah. 
Don't you just wonder, really, how people well, are using their time? <laughs> well, and some of these are like subsidized by you, the American <laughs> Isn't taxpayer. That, scary? that is scary. Hey, bring the bees in. Bring I want to be stung in. under I my arm stung now. Twenty-five different places by two hundred bees. Yeah, oh, that is crazy. Yeah, the armpit, that would be painful. But, you know, we need the research, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And luckily there's people that are willing to be stung. So that we know when we get stung in the nostril, we'll go, that yeah. guy was right. That hurts. You know, isn't it just smarter to just say, I don't need to experience <laughs> it. It's going to hurt. I hope he got paid well. I bet he didn't. Maybe get paid per stung. Per stinging. Per stinging. Per stung. Per sting. Per sting. That just sounds so wrong. How do you get paid? I get $40 per sting. <laughs> Pristing the singer, and then the mathematics woman would win for able to figure out how many that was for two hundred beasts. It's only sixty-five concubines. <laughs> okay, that's all it is. No, five hundred. Yeah, he had five hundred, but it only takes sixty-five oh, to create eight hundred eighty our... kids. Eight hundred eighty-eight kids. Well, that's wow. assuming that there's a lot of assumptions in fertility rates. That's and, true. I mean, yeah, I'd go seventy. And back there in seventeen twenty-seven. Yeah, you know, in the seventeen hundreds. You never know. Loved. Yeah. Holy cow! <laughs> and then, huh? Huh? Is the universal language? Huh? That was an important study, don't you think? Yeah, 32 yeah. languages, I think, mm-hmm. all use the word huh, huh? to mean huh? they're confused. Yeah. Huh? huh? Which is very – what is <laughs> that noise? That cow is – even in the even in bovine <laughs> language, it's also huh? Yeah. Is that a cow, huh? Um, it's actually a pig. Okay. Well, you might want to work on your sound effects because <laughs> you're not even close to huh. Let's hear that again. Huh? Yeah, not even close. Uh, uh. Yeah, we ought to work on that. Hey, uh, check this out. Have you ever heard of – I had never heard of this in my life. And I walked in the studio. Ben is sitting there reading some Amish romance novel. Have you even heard of this genre of romance novels? Amish romance novels – They sold 24 million books over the years. They're novels that involve the Amish, talk about the Amish life, but it's kind of a Christian, clean version of a romance novel. It's an interesting genre, and we had to know more about it. So in a minute, we're going to get Jennifer Beckstrand on the phone with this. She is an Amish, Amish romance novelist. She's not Amish, but she writes the Huckleberry Hill series of romance novels. And we're going to go find out what is going on with the romance novel. It's a cleaner type of romance novel. Some of those get a little out there, right? A little uh, a little racy. And uh, we're going to be talking about this whole new genre. So stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to be talking romance novels up next right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, uh, have you ever heard of Amish romance novels? It's such an interesting thing. I just barely heard about it myself. It all began, uh, the first one, I believe, was published in 1997 or so. And it's it's a sub-genre of um, Christian fiction, right? So 
the idea is the traditional romance novel, they're they're racy, you know, the scantily clad people on the cover, and women are reading them like crazy. In fact, many would refer to them even as, uh, for like the true, real, blue romance novels, th- those are many times referred to as female pornography, right? And... There's a whole new genre, though, of a cleaner version of the romance novel where you can get the romance without all of the crazy, I don't know what you call it, just sexual innuendo and overt sexual discussion. And it's called Amish romance novels. And the idea behind it is it's really being read mostly by evangelical Christian women. That uh, that don't want to – they want the romance side of life, but they don't want to have to, you know, sink into the depths of all the sexual talk and sexual innuendo. So it's a huge industry. And our guest today, Jennifer Beckstrand, uh, is the author of the book The Matchmakers of Huckleberry Hill series – um, an Amish Wedding is another. But this genre of books has sold over 24 million books, which is seriously impressive. When you think some of the top uh, top novelists are, you know, they're right there. Our guest today, Jennifer Beckstrand, is the author of The Matchmakers of Huckleberry Hill book series. She joins us now live to talk to us a little bit and introduce us to this whole new genre of Amish romance novels. Jennifer, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. A pleasure to be here. You bet. It's so great to to talk to you. This is such an interesting uh, novel, I mean, genre. What? How on earth did you get into this? How do you start well, thinking, I think I'm going to go with Amish, <laughs> Amish romance novels? Well, I have to tell you, I um, I had originally written a Western and I, I took it to a book conference to pitch it to a, an agent who was there. And I pitched this Western to her, and she asked me if it had any sex in it. And I said, no. No. And she said, well, I'm not interested. <laughs> and she said, but she said, in the Christian fiction market, you know, it, it might fit there. So she hooked me up with an agent who represents a lot of Christian authors. And, and I uh, hooked up with this agent, and this agent said, you know, I really think you're a great writer. She said the the thing that's really popular, really hot right now is Amish romance. Hmm. She said, so why don't you try writing an Amish romance? So I did a lot of research. I flew back to Pennsylvania to Amish country, and uh, I wrote my first Amish romance about four years ago, and I've got eight books out right now. Wow. So it's very popular. People love it. So. It's, now, so so the audience who are who's who's the audience that who's purchasing this book? You know, it's mostly Christian women. You know, ages about thirty-five and up. Mm. Um, women who just love reading about romance, but don't like all the steamy scenes. And yeah. then also the the thing about Amish romance too is it has a, a very um, I can't say heavy, but it has a very distinct Christian message to it. There's always a faith message that is included, and, and readers love that, too. They love to read that with with the romance. Because you're a grandma, right? Or a I mom. Am. Yeah, I'm, I mean, and, I'm not, 
I'm not an old grandma. I'm 50, you, but yeah, but yeah, that's a young grandma. <laughs> but it's it's interesting because you now are you've got to keep the edge of the romance going. But in the Amish world, the whole goal is that they all keep their clothes on. That's right. So it's really – it's a head game, isn't it? Yeah. My Amish romances, um, all of them end with a kiss. There's a, a little bit of kissing, but that's definitely mm. as far as we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it really is a challenge to keep up that romantic tension without being inappropriate or – right. Something like that. So it's it it is a it is a real balancing act, but so fun. I I I love that kind of romance. That's the kind I like to read. So I definitely love writing it. What are you learning about romance? Because I mean, to me as a guy, this is you know you need to educate. What what is it that is the draw to these books for our wives, our mothers, our sisters, our friends? Why are they drawn to it, and what are you learning about what really constitutes good romance? Well, you know, um, there's there have been studies that when you're reading a, a romance or, or any type of book, you are really feeling those emotions vicariously, and so uh, even though you're you don't happen to maybe be in love at the moment, you are feeling those wonderful feelings of falling in love as you read a book. So that's definitely the, the lure of romance. Yeah. People love, love that feeling. And I, I love it because um, I love those feelings, but I love the happy ending. I love to see and write about two people who find happiness together. Um, and I don't read books that are sad. I love happy books, and that's why I write them. That is so amazing. And then do you, I guess, do you have a formula? Is there a romance formula? I mean, I assume boy meets girl in Amish land. They've got to go bring the crops in. I don't know. <laughs> what's the – build a barn. What's the, what's the formula that, that you, you know, kind of follow? When I start – any book I start, I always start with the conflict. What can go wrong? Um, and how are these two people going to solve it, or what is keeping them apart, and how are they going to get together? Mm. The, um, so in, in an Amish romance, conflicts are very unique. There's uh, conflicts about are people going to stay in the religion, or uh, conflicts of uh, family problems like... Um, alcohol abuse or other abuse. There are conflicts. My conflicts tend to be more lighthearted. Um, uh, people who might have been promised to somebody else and feel like they can't break their promise to another person mm. or um, families who don't like the particular person or think this person is too wild or on the worldly side. So it always starts with a conflict, and then um, I write my characters around that conflict. And So there's, I guess that's the formula is the conflict. Boy yeah. meets girl, why can't they get, be together, and then helping them get together to the end of the book. Do you ever, um, do you ever get stuck in thinking, oh, I'm out of conflict? Or do you just, do you look to your own life and think, oh, there's one? 
There's oh, there's a there's a really good one. My husband and I are fighting over who gets to plant what where. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, um, Amish is is unique in that the conflicts aren't. I think it's easier to write certain um, novels because they are there's built-in conflict, like a mystery or a mm. suspense or or a police novel. Um, even in contemporary romance, the conflicts, I think, are easier because um, there's, there's more bad things that can happen. In Amish land, it's, you know, yeah, it's a very calm kind of um, life. Nobody's going to come and shoot you, or there's not a lot of murder going on. So the conflict is very internal, and I, I think... Uh, conf- I think internal conflict is the strongest kind of conflict, but it is more challenging to write. So, yeah, sometimes it's hard. But, yeah, it's true. I do look at my own life or, or look at people I know. And the one thing I, I really learned about the Amish when I went out there to do research is that, it, you know, in spite of how they live, they're very normal mm. type people. They have the same type of wishes and desires for their families and their lives. And so, you know, internal conflicts are, are very universal to all people. Yeah, they're, they're, the human, they're the human conflict, right? I mean, it's the human issue. Yeah, yeah. It's really what you're writing about, and it seems, I mean, romance is part of that, and the human reality is there's tension, and there's always kind of going to be a romantic type of tension as well. Um, we're speaking with Jennifer Beckstrand. We'll uh, take a break. We're going to come back and continue this discussion about the interesting genre of Amish romance novels. Such an interesting category. I wanted to talk about it, too, because w- so many women are buying romance novels. I wanted to get in the head of a romance novelist. And uh, we'll come back, continue this discussion with Jennifer Beckstrand. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. somebody who's hooked on romance novels. Well, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about a, a certain genre of romance novels called the Amish romance novel, which is a kinder, gentler, a cleaner, less sexually focused romance novel. And uh, it's taking off in the kind of the Christian world. More and more uh, evangelical Christians um, really are are buying and purchasing this book. 24 million Amish romance novels have uh, been sold. And joining us today is Jennifer Beckstrand, who is one of the great uh, Amish novelists. And she's teaching us the ins and the outs, the why romance novels, especially the Amish type of romance novel, is so appealing to so many Jennifer Beckstrand, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So glad to be here. Fun to have you. This is such an interesting topic for me. So you go and do research with your friends, people you know in the Amish world, and and talk about that. What is that like, Um, and what are you learning about the Amish community? 
Well, uh, when I first went out, I went to Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and I, I had a friend who um, knew the, some Amish very well. So we went to the first home we went to. We went and had dinner with this this big family, and they're very um, well. The first thing is that they're a little bit wary of strangers, yeah. of outsiders, but um, they were the kindest just most generous, wonderful people. And that also struck me that, hey, they might be a little bit different, but they're also very kind and very um, open to to letting us kind of have a peek into their lifestyle. In in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, they are very um, tapped into the, the tourist trade, and they they really are welcome they they're very welcoming to tourists because that's a real big source of income for them Hmm. um when i went to wisconsin they're definitely more private um i i have a friend in uh northern wisconsin who does tours of amish properties and he arranged for me to meet an amish woman who was very very nervous to meet me she said, is my name going to appear in your book? Am I going to be hmm. mentioned in your book? She was just, you know, that almost upset her to yeah. think that anything. So um, there are definitely different levels and different degrees, but they've all been very kind. I, I met with a, an Amish bishop in Wisconsin who sat down and, and talked with me for a few hours. And, and the one thing that he was so... Um, adamant about was that he wanted to make sure that a lot of the misperceptions of the Amish were cleared up, mm. and he wanted to make sure that uh, that I wasn't perpetuating any of those misperceptions yeah. in my book. So what, they were what, very concerned that they were portrayed correctly. Well, what are some of those misperceptions? What are some of the things that we don't get right? Well, one of the things that... Um, I, I think is a big one for the Amish is their practice of shunning mm-hmm. people. And they, uh, you know, they do practice the shunning. Some some communities are more strict than others. But the the thing this bishop wanted me to know was that he he said, we shun people out of love. We shun them so that they understand what they're doing wrong and that they will be moved to repentance and to come and, and join us again. Um, so that was one of those things. And there are um, many, many Amish romances or novels are, are, are fairly harsh with the Amish about, you know, why do you shun and this is yeah. not a good thing. My, my novels are a little bit more lighthearted and I, I, I really have uh, based a lot based them on what I saw really with that first Amish family that I met. So kind, so wonderful, and just a, a very happy family. Yeah. So this that's is, how I portray the Amish. Yes, and your your series is the Huckleberry Hearts series, right? And Huckleberry Hill. Huckleberry yeah. Hill. Yeah, and one of them was Huckleberry Hearts, Huckleberry Harvest. But I guess when you go through them, um, is because the there's there's a, a female lead. I'm assuming in every in every one of the books. How do you um, portray the female? Because I guess that's part of the thing. 
you know, outsiders are reading the book. Um, insiders to the Amish world might have a different view of um, of what's. I mean, outsiders might have a different view of what's going on in an Amish world. Like the women are oppressed. Like the women aren't happy. They may not want to be there. What What do you see? And how do you portray your Amish women? Well, there are. There's definitely in the Amish culture, and and there. Are, there are many different communities. Some communities are so strict, others are more progressive. Um, there's definitely uh, the Amish culture of the man is the head of the home and the woman is, submits to her husband. Um, but also, the, uh, there, again, there are different levels of that, but there are very um, definite lines of Here's what the man does. Here's what hmm. the woman does. And in many ways, they are very happy with those roles. They like the roles. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and in some ways, it's it's a very secure thing, right? That the woman never says, oh, do I need to go out and find a career? She, she's always, I'm at home. I'm a mom and I'm at home. So, yes, there is definitely uh, that perception that the the husband's word is, the final word, and it is, it is mostly that way. But in a lot of communities, that's not, yeah, a problem. They're not as oppressed as in other communities. I am. Um, I, I I wrote a conversation one time between uh, an old woman and her husband in one of my earlier books, and I had an editor who. Uh, whose father was a former Amish, she said, oh, a, a wife would never talk to her husband that way. Mm. And um, I ended up not changing it because I thought it was a good conversation. So I, I'm probably, when I write, I have a more progressive view of that. Yeah. But yes, there are definitely, my heroines are strong, but they do have those, they do have those desires of home and hearth. Yeah. And most of them are not, looking to be career women, women or things like that. Their goals and their conflict and their desires are within that sphere of what an Amish woman hmm. would be doing. So you're just dealing with real day, you know, everyday kind of conflict values of life. And, um, and you know your audience is outside of the Amish world, but they're all apparently drawn to the strong values, the strong kind of morality that we see in the Amish world. Um, what what do you – how does this strengthen you? Like being able to do this – I assume in the books that there's a lot of you know values teaching and it's got to be neat to know that you have people that are listening and, and are reading and understanding and feeling closer to you know Christian values because of what you're writing. Yes. Definitely, they. Um, I I hear from a lot of readers that that the things that I write really speak to them as far as you know, on a spiritual level. And um, again, we are all you know. There's this universal human condition, and we're all looking for how we navigate this this life. And the Amish are just so tapped into that spirituality and so tapped into what we need to do to, what they need to do to get to heaven. And so many, many um, spiritual questions come up um, 
that I hope get answered in the books. Mm. And I think that resonates with a lot of people. That's that's one reason I I asked my readers, why do you read Amish romance? And um, most of them said, well, of course, the romance, but they really liked that element of faith and strengthening my faith and how these people uh, strengthen their faith. In my next book, which comes out the end of November, Huckleberry Hearts, um, there's a, a doctor who's really struggling with his faith, and he, he, he gets in with this Amish family, and they help him understand and um, uh, uh, reconcile some of the bad things that he sees at the hospital. They help him reconcile that with a loving God mm. and his faith. So that's so a, it's a really fun thing to write a great that faith element, which I I love putting into my book. Yeah, well, I remember a few years ago when there was the tragic shooting in the Amish schoolhouse. Yeah, and how the elders of the community got together and the healing that took place, and how they went and supported the family of the shooter. Um, there's just such an interesting so and, and I mean you see so you, you contrast that to all of these other Amish mafia movies that are out or or silly reality stuff that's out um and it's yeah, no wonder they're a little leery right of the outside world, and yet in a way you're paying respect, you're paying homage to their traditions to their great moral values yes, and i I really feel like that's what most Amish fiction is, it, it really does honor those those deep-seated values that the Amish have and that they have tried tirelessly to live for hundreds of years. Mm. And yeah, those those reality TV shows are are, are very hurtful to the Amish, uh, obviously, and mostly not true to life at all. Right. So. Yeah, the Amish mafia <laughs> is probably not huge. Um, Correct. T- talk about, as we wrap this up, your husband. What does your husband think about that? And, I mean, it's got to be weird, like, yeah, my wife's a romance novelist. <laughs> does, you know, my husband what's that like? Is, my husband is probably more excited about my success than I am. He, he always checks my rankings on Amazon. He is um, he's re- always reads my reviews, which I don't read, and <laughs> he loves it. He thinks it's wonderful. And and yeah, there is a stigma about being a romance writer, but boy, I think it's the greatest job in the world is helping two people fall in love yeah. and then giving everybody else a chance to read about it and have have that same experience. How are you received in your church congregation? Like, are, are you the, oh, that's the romance novelist. <laughs> Sister, no, I think Sister Beckstrand. Think pretty cool. Yeah, I bet they do. <laughs> Do you have do you have like do you have neighbors that read your books? Oh, I do. I I have a a big following. Um, I live in Utah. I have a big following here in Utah um, because they really are fun books. They're yeah. romances and they're clean, and nobody has to feel guilty about reading them. That's great. And yes, I definitely have a lot of friends and neighbors who read them. They're do, all very kind. Do any of them like pull up to church and they're like, "Oh, Jennifer." You did. You went out of your way on that one. That you nailed that one. I mean, that's yes. And has everyone got a little, like, a little twinkle in their eye? 
That was really yes, romantic. I love it. I, in fact, I, I work with the young women, and I have this darling young woman in my <clears throat> congregation who I, I brought her a book just last week, and she was so thrilled <laughs> and so excited. I, I thought, oh, this is why I write. <laughs> That's so great. Isn't that great? Because, yeah, you know yeah. you're changing lives. Yep. Well, I think it's fascinating. And it's, I mean, again, if, if you're going to go for romance, you may as well go for clean romance, right? That's let, right. Let, I, I feel like that's, it's a service. It's doing a service because people want romance and they don't want the the sex. Yeah. So. I mean, I think if we could just get the guys to read your books, then we'd put your business, we'd put all of your books out of business because then the guys would go be giving the ladies the romance they want. I don't know. It's just a it's a hypothesis. <laughs> could be right. Yep, that's a good hypothesis. <laughs> we just need to you you need to do a couple for men. <laughs> just how to be a romantic Amish man. Yeah, I'll see what I could yeah, do about work on that. that. I, it's just an idea. You know. Okay. <laughs> and if you could work me in, that'd be great. Work me into the novel somehow. The, All right. I'll be the I relationship will, uh... coach, helping a couple, <laughs> an Amish couple, through their problems. That would be great. Jennifer, we appreciate you. Great, uh, great stuff. And good luck in your next book, The um, Huckleberry Hearts, that will be coming out. Again, they can go to your website. What's your website? It is jenniferbeckstrand.com. And it's, it really, it's um, a great site because it's full of your other series, Forever After in Apple Lake. Yeah, that was my first series. Um, yeah, it's got a lot of great information there. and Your blogs, your recipes. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Recipes, yeah. For Jello, by the way. Lots of <laughs> yeah, Jell-O recipes Jell-O. there. Well, Jennifer, you're the best. Keep up the good work and uh, keep it clean. All right. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. You bet. Interesting stuff. Uh, 24 million books, folks. I mean, that's huge. I'm losing my voice. That's huge. Good stuff. We'll take a break. Come back. Uh, wrap up this hour. Do a little Coach's Corner. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. Hey, uh, when it comes to romance, do you even have a clue what your partner sees as romantic? And because it's really between you and your partner, right? Is romance talking? Is it going on a walk? Is romance getting dressed up in your sweats? Watching Netflix. You got to decide, right? But I find it ironic that 24 million books are sold of uh, Amish romance novels. So they're Christian-oriented, right? And so, so it's not about the sex. It's not about all of the hot dialogue. It's about... You know, connecting. It's about understanding and listening. It's about romance that's not necessarily correlated to sex. And my concern is when once you're married, you might take your eye off the romance, you know, ball. You might take your eye off of it. And the minute you do, guess what? Then I guess we, we're going to let the rest of the culture de- define for us what romance is. 
What matters is what does your spouse think is romantic? A kiss goodnight, is that romantic? Doing the dishes, my wife says, is the, it's the hottest thing I can do. So I just wear like a muscle tee and really tight clothes, and then I go do the dishes. <laughs> and she's like, whoa, you are the man. Usually she's like, just whoa, what are you wearing? Yeah, it's usually nighttime. See, I could have inferred that that was boring you. But no, this is boring, Ben, because, Ben, you got to learn about romance. For you, romance is, you know, Snickers bar. That's more of a love affair. That's a love affair. I mean, do you, do you as a student at BYU, do you think, oh, this date's going to be romantic? Well, I mean, if you were to go on a date... Someday. Hypothetically, Hypothetically, if I were to go on a date. If you went on a date, would you be thinking, how can I make this more romantic? Depends who I was with. Yes. Great answer. What would you do to light it up, to bring on the romance? That's a really good question. You want some ideas? Go for it. Um, candles. I always carry two candles in my back pocket. You never know when you'll need a candle. So, so just pop them out like when it feels right. Yeah, I'd only do it. Okay. If it's, I'd only use them if they're dark. If it's dark. Okay, and for a first date, do you think? Yeah. No. Okay. No. 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 First date, no. Second date, for sure. Uh, I like to pop out the candle, and then you got to make sure it's dark. But the neat thing about that is that it, the light's just beautiful. It's beautiful light. So no matter what, you look better in the candlelight than you do in like the really bright light. Because it shows less of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lighting, that helps. The big key, I'm going to shoot you right between the eyes. You got to – the key is when you know what she wants and she likes and you deliver on that, that's probably the most romantic thing you'll do. It's not like like you always talk about how you cross your eyes to look like you're romantic. It's not your eyes. It's not tilting your head. It's none of that. It's just you being attentive and present and in. Okay, and that, that's going to help me a lot. I, I usually, I usually try and cross cross my eyes no, a little bit more. No, don't cross your eyes. I promise. That's why you're losing them, because they're like this guy can't even keep his eyes straight. Okay, I thought that was romantic, so I'll, mm. I'll rethink that. That's that's the look right before you lose consciousness, not romance. Oh, I thought that was just like the romance pulsing through my veins. No, no that's not okay. it. Not 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 at all. Anyway, that's your romance lesson for the day. Uh, we appreciate uh, you listening in today. I'm telling you, folks, take care of each other. Bring on the romance. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a break. We'll be back one more hour insight, enlightenment. Stick with us. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Top of the morning to you. Man, it's uh, 
It's Tuesday, but with the cold, it feels like Friday. I cannot get in rhythm. <laughs> I also can't walk more than 10 feet without coughing. Mm-hmm. Is, that about, is that a problem? That's a problem. I've noticed that um, Ben keeps like putting all of the monitors in front of him so that no, and, and no I've projectiles. And I've got my spit yeah. uh, shield here in front Why are of you me. guys... Why are Please. you so rude? I don't want to get sick. we got a great show for you today. Even if I'm sick, it doesn't matter. The mm-hmm. show goes on. The show goes on. Today we'll be speaking with Julie K. Nelson from a spoonful of parenting.com. She is the bomb mom and the child whisperer. She's going to be teaching us about quality versus quantity time with our kids. You know, giving us some insight, what we could do to actually create some quality time in our lives. By the way, holy cow, did you see the new trend with selfies? I missed it. I've talked a lot about selfies today. Mm -hmm. Today is selfie day. Uh, So we already know from the earlier morning uh, show that the selfies, you're more likely to die of a selfie than you are of a shark attack, Mm -hmm. which is good to know. Very good. And some people are trying to take as many selfies as they can to break a world record. Mm -hmm. Like 1,800 is his goal. In an hour? In one hour. The world record's like 1,450 or something. Um, But more importantly, now there is the weirdest trend. And as a past divorce mediator, this kind of frustrates me. Oh, you don't do that anymore? No. Okay. I only help people talk and save their marriage. And if they can't save it, then I just kiss them goodbye. Send them somewhere else? Yeah, I take a picture and then I post it (laughs) on Instagram. Oh, we lost another one. But Uh, now that's what they're doing. People are posting their divorce pictures. Total lightweight. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Very stupid. You can't be just boom, boom. Total control. Bing, 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 bong, 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 bing, bing, bing. You know what that is, This is Donald Trump. Bing, bing, bing. Bong, bong, bong. I love you very much. That's Donald Trump's feelings about posting your divorce pictures. Uh And Donald's been divorced a few times. Uh So he thinks it's a bing, bing, bong, bong. Bing, bing, bong. (laughs) It's... But couples go in, they file their divorce papers, they then take their divorce selfie together, thumbs up. Mm-hmm. And throw it on Tinder? Mm-hmm. They throw it on everything. Okay. Instagram. Is available? No. They oh. throw it on Instagram. It's official. Just, okay. Happy hour. Hey, I'm done. Hashtag happy hour. Hashtag it's <laughs> official. Like Remember it. that everything you post, your kids are going to see. Mm-hmm. So- There's going to be a day your kids will go search and what they'll find is mom and dad gleefully posing for the selfie on the court front steps (laughs) when in reality your life as a child may have been devastated because of that. Coming from divorced parents, I can attest to that. If you're going to do the same thing, if you're going to go celebrate the selfie picture of the divorce, can I just suggest you also go when you tell the kids – you're divorcing, mm-hmm. and they all break down. Take a picture there, too. Yeah, that would that would go over well. Post that on Instagram. Show everybody else in the world how good divorcing, what it did for your family. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. And again, that's coming from a kid who was raised in a divorced family, and I see it every single day. Every day of my life, I see people making the decision to divorce or not divorce. But we're to celebrate the freedom you have by divorcing – this isn't a moment of joy. Even right. if it wasn't right for you, mm-hmm. uh, there's other people involved. And you might be sending the wrong message. Man, yep. alive. Where are her. people's yep. heads? It's a selfie for crying out loud. And selfie infers or implies selfish. This is our selfish picture of us celebrating in front of the divorce courts. 
<sighs> Come on. It drives me crazy. It really drives me crazy. Do you say that a lot to your clients? Come on. Come on. Yeah, no. I just say, you know what? Just you guys are so messed clearly, up. people. Focus. Ugh. Focus. Anyway. Um, is that depressing to you? Yeah. I bet it is. Well, and it, it is because, again, you just look at them like, you know what? You could, you guys could probably fix this. But what happens, and we're so good at it, we like to form the problem as our partner. So if I can just get my partner gone and away from me, man, my life will be I'll better. be happier. And the minute you do that, so let's go get our selfie taken, our selfie picture taken with our divorce decree finalized. How many people come back to you and say, I wish I would have listened to you? Well, you know what? A lot. Oh, a lot. Well, in fact, because the, the statistics show that about 75% of people that divorce wish they had done more. And you don't know that until you're divorcing. Right. Then you're like, I, we should have done more. Mm. This wow. wasn't – and it doesn't mean – I'm a believer. You, there's some people that need to divorce. You can't fix everyone. But you got to fix yourself. And most people I know aren't fixing themselves before they divorce. And then they are so surprised the next time. I have a lot of clients that say, oh, I'm going to bring my next one to you for sure. And they never do. The Until next. the next person they marry, okay. they're going to bring to me before mm-hmm. so they can get on the same page. They never do. And then they come back oh. once they're messed up again. Have the same issues mm-hmm. with the, the exact one. same oh, issues. Oh, wow. Like you would not believe how many times that happens. Mm. Now, for me, it's great business. <laughs> you're raking in the money. I'm like, sure. Thank oh, you. you're back. No way. You know the fees. Okay, get going. You're a monster. No, you I'm not. I'm helping people. The monsters oh, are the ones that take wow. pictures and celebrate it. Divorce, even if it's healthy and good, is not something we ought to celebrate. Right. I totally agree. Because the minute you're doing it, the mere fact that you're divorcing increases the likelihood that your friends are going to divorce. Mm. Did you know that? I did not know that. If I knew your brothers and children, sisters. What's yeah, the, what's the uh, percentage thing with your of your kids. children? Yeah. yeah, I can't remember the exact percent, but it drives it up. And But if your brothers and sisters divorce, it drives up the likelihood that, you're, that you will divorce. Your sibling. Hmm. The more people around you divorcing, mm-hmm. the more likely you are to divorce – one reason is because that's what you're going to be hearing. And that's all you've, that's all you've uh-huh. seen, right? Right. And then, and for a while, it seems like a really great idea because life is so free and you're so wonderful. And But, you know, if you have kids involved, it is a mess and it's hard for the kids. So, yeah, yes, it is. This is the happiest moment of daddy and mommy's life. It's sure. It is the day we did decide to divorce it and, and make you move. And then we tossed you back and forth for years. Mm. But now I get it. I get it. Divorce is healthy in many regards and it is does make you feel great. And even if it makes you feel great because the relationship was so it broken. It does make you feel great. No, there's a lot of people that it is so suffocating to be in a mm. marriage that's unhealthy. Right. I still wouldn't publicly celebrate it. Right. Because all you're celebrating is the uh, is the parent the the parent the splitting of parents of a child. Right. Well, and the child looks at it as you're happy you're leaving me, right? Right. If, mm. if the child's not celebrating, mm-hmm. I wouldn't celebrate. Yeah, no, that's not good. If the child doesn't want selfies, I wouldn't make selfies. I'd make it because to me it's a spiritual thing. We should make it spiritual. Right. Good point. Oh, anyway. Okay, wow. we got to get to the headlines. We got that out. Okay. I feel better. It's out of me. <laughs> it's that cold. I'm, I'm going to cough it out. You either cough it out or you sweat it out. Mm-hmm. So I just coughed it out. Okay. Here's Kathy Aiken with the headlines. GOP presidential candidate Scott Walker said yesterday he's leaving the race. I will suspend my campaign immediately. 
I encourage other Republican presidential candidates to consider doing the same so that the voters can focus on a limited number of candidates who can offer a positive, conservative alternative to the current frontrunner. Walker initially polled well but received less than one-half of one percent after Sunday's debate and is struggling to raise money. Walker said the debate needs to be focused on the optimistic view of America and not on personal attacks. According to USA Today's GOP power rankings, Carly Fiorina has moved into first place ahead of Donald Trump. That due to two strong debate performances by Fiorina. This is the first time Trump has been bumped from the top spot. Fox News asked Trump recently about his future. I don't think panic is a word that I use, but, you know, sure, I'd like to stay on top. I'm going to do what's right. If I don't make it, that's okay. I'll go back to having a good time and building a business. According to the same power ranking, Marco Rubio is in third place, followed by Ben Carson, Jeb Bush, and Ted Cruz. On The Tonight Show last night, Fiorina sat down with Jimmy Fallon to have a little fun, singing a tune she sings to her dog, Snickers. And I'm lazy. Please don't take a walk with me. I'd rather stay right here at home instead. I want to lie back down in my nice warm bed. My name's Sick, and you're going to have to carry me. Uh huh. We're all clapping and singing. Okay. Fiorina also answered questions about her GOP rivals, her record at HP, and the role of faith in a leader. Pope Francis is scheduled to arrive in Washington, D.C. this afternoon, part of a three city U.S. tour. The Pope has a private Oval Office meeting scheduled with President Obama, and on Thursday will address both houses of Congress. Congressional leaders have all been asked to refrain from handshakes and conversations with the Pope as he walks down the aisle. Kim Davis, the Kentucky County clerk who was jailed for not issuing same-sex marriage licenses, could be headed back to court. The ACLU claims Davis is altering marriage licenses, and attorneys for two gay couples have asked a federal judge to order her office to reissue them. Davis said she's prepared to return to jail over her religious beliefs. And Matt Kudos to nine-year-old Ethan Flint. Hmm. The boy from St. Paul, Minnesota, donated $1,200 he received for his birthday to the St. Paul Police Department recently wow. to protect canines with bulletproof vests. Oh, great. A vest for a police dog can cost about $2,500. Yeah. And Ethan has been donating his birthday money since he was four years old. The hmm. animal lover has raised money to help Lake Superior Zoo rebuild after flooding and give, give giraffes a home at the Como Zoo. Ethan said he wants to help penguins and turtles next year. What a great kid. $1,200. Have you ever received $1,200 for your birthday? Uh, no. <laughs> Even today? I, I mean, who gives, what wow. 12-year-old gives $1,200 I, I know, away? $1,200. Maybe he just has tons of friends and family that each give a little bit. But, well, what a good job for him to, seriously, since he was four years old, has donated yeah. his money to animals, I mean, the, health animals. That's cool. And, yeah. and those bulletproof vests, they're for needed. The dogs, yeah. I would have, I personally would have gotten the dog some pants. <laughs> but, you know. I'm kind of weird that That way. is kind of weird. Yeah. What would they look like? They'd be dog pants, a little <laughs> hole for the tail <laughs> pop out the back. Um, would, would Carly Fiorina yeah. singing. She's got yeah, quite the voice. Yeah, that was cute. That was a little fun. Yeah. I don't know that I would. Did you hear the words of the song? Yeah. She was talking about her dog. She, no. It's, it's a lazy it's, dog. Well, I think she's saying I'm lazy. Wasn't no, she's she saying, saying her dog's lazy. Are you sure? Uh, yeah, for sure. It was about her dog snickers. Play that again. Let's listen. Here we go. Okay. And I'm lazy. Please don't take a walk with me. I'd rather stay right here at home instead. Okay, I the dog would rather stay at home. In my nice warm bed. My name's Sick, and you're going to have to carry me. Oh, that's good. Snickers is the dog. Uh-huh. That's cute. Yeah. She's got a great voice. Yeah, there she goes. See, this is, she's endearing everyone. Yep. This is, this is the love it, right? fest for Carly. In fact, even Donald Trump's like, he's already talking about if he doesn't win. 
When yeah, has he ever I know. said that? Can you believe that? I've never heard that either. And what was so the scary. thing? What did Bill Clinton do musically? Do you remember that? Yeah, when he, he played was the saxophone yeah, yeah. on Montel Williams. Was it Montel Williams? Wasn't it? It was, uh, no. Who was the other? Um, Jay Leno? I was a no, very young bl- child. It was a black uh, talk um, not, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, yes. It wasn't Montel Williams. Yeah. Uh, it's. Um, Where's Terry to tell us? <laughs> I know I can picture. Him. Oh, he was oh, so great. That yeah. was a great show, yeah, and I don't even know show. where that went. Yeah. Oh man, I've gone blank. Okay, too. we got to find that. Yeah, that's what he did too. Oh, that so. was so good. Uh, Arsenio thought, Hall. Wow, Arsenio Hall. There you yeah. go. Very good. Um, oh, that was so good. Yeah. And that right thing. You're like, oh, what a hip! And then President Obama's hip and singing. So mm-hmm. you got to be hip. Yeah, you got to be hip. You got to be hip. So yeah, I thought that was good. I think you know. I think Rubio is going to do the do a break dance later. Mm-hmm. He's the, got later to, today. yeah, because he's number three. Yeah, you got to be <laughs> shaking it. Can't even t- hit the high notes anymore. Well done, Kathy. Um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Julie K. Nelson is going to be joining us from a spoonful of parenting dot com. She is the bomb mom, the mom bomb here to teach us about quantity versus quality time with our kids. Stick with us, folks. She's got the inside track. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, You know, quality versus quantity. That's the argument we always make. When it comes to your kids, I might say both. If you can get quality, that's great. And quantity, that's great. You got to have time with good time and a lot of time. And we're going to find out. We're going to find out what the pros say. Julie K. Nelson's joining us uh, from the website, a spoonful of parenting.com. She has a master's degree in marriage, family, and human development. And she teaches classes um, in applied parenting and marriage and relationship skills at Utah Valley University. She's also been featured in many academic journals and is also on uh, FamilyShare.com, TheWallStreetJournal.com, Parents.com, and she's on The Matt Townsend Show regularly. It's good to be Hello, there, Matt. lady. Hello. How are you? I have a cold, Julie. Oh. It's bad. Yeah. It's, do you, it's this German-fested radio studio. Oh, you have no idea. Is it? Um, do you starve a cold or do you feed a cold? I can't remember. Let's see. You starve a cold and you feed a fever. Uh. I have been starving my fever and just stuffing my cold with food. <laughs> I got to focus. None of those are true, you know. Are they? No. Okay, you, good. You eat and have some nice chicken noodle soup. And... You know what? Um, not interested. Mm-mm. I should have brought you some if I'd known, Matt. Homemade. My grandma. Oh, oh I want my grandma back. She made the homemade noodles. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. No one does that anymore. They, no, they don't. open up the Campbells, and it's just no. not the same. My my wife bought me some soup because I'm sick, yeah. and it wasn't the same. It was just kind of watery, noodly, watery noodle mm-hmm. water. Yeah, I make my own, and it's so good. You make great food. Thank I should you. have called you next time. Yeah. Ben, write this down. Write this down. Next time, uh, let's call Julie before she comes, so she can bring me something to eat. Okay, how long before? Um, how much time do you need, Julie? When uh, 30 minutes. 30 minutes 30 before. Minutes. Okay. Uh, let's put an order out for soup next time. Soup, what kind? Chicken noodle, I think would be good. Homemade noodles. Do you do well, homemade yeah, noodles? Yeah, I do homemade noodles. Oh, mommy. Okay. For two or three. Uh, let's just do a really big bowl for one. 
You've got to share with Ben if he's writing yeah. this down. Okay, a big bowl for one and a tiny itty-bitty bowl for Ben <laughs> okay. with no noodles because I want your noodles. Well, never mind. <laughs> Julie, the bomb mom, they call oh. you, the child whisperer. Um, talk to me. Well, Quantity, quality. You know, I'm following up from your show that you had on Friday yeah. where they had brought in some research. Uh, it was a – I think it was a Washington Post article that cited some Toronto, University of Toronto research yeah. published earlier this year. Um, and you discussed you know, this, what the research said, which kind of blew everyone's mind because they said that in every way that the, quali- the quantity <coughs> – the quantity that the, 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 the quali- quantity of, of, of experiences that you had with your children – Albeit that it's not very much, yeah, you know, really was most important that quantity. We've always been talking about how you've got to spend more and more and more time. Yeah, that it's... we're jipping our kids. We're you know working too long of hours, and we're spending too much time away from them, and we're guilting ourselves for you know that we got to be with our kids, and that we just got to be there, just yeah. be there. But this research really said above all. Um, all the ways that they measured that just what you do with your kids, it's the quality. you got to be doing – it's not enough to try to compensate because I'm with my kids all the time and a lot of times I'm not with them. Mm-hmm. I mean I'm there. Yeah. But we're just – So know. that's what the researchers concluded and they talked about on Friday was that you can be there but not really be there. Yeah. And so it's it's the, it's the kids who benefited from parents who were really uh, attentive and did – quality things with their kids rather than the parents that were just there. Right. And so I want to kind of follow up on that. Um, and I'm hoping that maybe some of our listeners out there could maybe phone in and say, which one do you think uh, has the mo- greatest benefits on children? Is it the quality, what you do with the kids, even though you're not home a lot and you're just spending maybe an hour a day with them? Right. Or is it the quantity? Do you think the kids need just more of you and more time with you? Um, and... S- so, you know, maybe you could chime in on that, listeners, and see what, you know, which one do you think is, is drives your parenting? Yeah. You could do that, by the way, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, or you can tweet us at Dr. Matt, at, uh, at Dr. Matt Show. That's our Twitter handle. And we'll take your questions there or your answers. Because you really can't look at it from two points of view. And that's where I want to go with today because Friday's show did make it sound like, hey, don't be so guilty, parents. If you're not there much, just do great stuff. Get it done with with the time you have. But I do think that both have merit. Well, And and why do we have to either or it, right? Because you ought to get as much time as you possibly can, which means you need to give up some things. Yeah. And when you're there, make sure you're doing – beneficial activities. That's the bottom line. You got it right there, Matt. That's why you're the psychologist. That's, that's why I'm here. That's why you're here in the seat. That's why I have a cold, too. <laughs> uh, because, you know, the lady in the that did the research um, concluded that more than quantity or quality, she said, that the thing that made the most difference was the income and the mother's educational level that were most strongly associated with a child's future success. Yeah, interesting. So I'm looking at what it really means and the mother's income and educational level. So to me, that means these are two factors, that the quality of the time that they spend with the mom uh, means that they're 
doing more with their educational background and their financial resources. An educated parent, either whether it's a mom or the dad, they're going to maximize their time spent with their kids because they know what it takes to be successful. And they have the educational background to know how to do it. And so you don't have to be out there, listeners, let's say you don't have an advanced degree. You can still um, behave and do those things that educated people do if you learn about it without having an advanced degree and still have successful children um, as the study concludes. Didn't they say like four, uh, like about, you have about 22 hours a week with your kids or something, mm-hmm. I think it said. And four of the hours or so are unstru- are, are education focused, helping them study. Another four are structured activities, maybe helping them clean and do things. But 16 are unstructured. And I, I think what they were saying is all you have to do is take more of the unstructured and throw them into kind of structured activities and and it elevates the quality of activity with them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So versus more, sitting there and mm-hmm. all of you are watching Sponge The Bachelor. Bo- SpongeBob or Bachelor. Yeah, 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 yeah. All There's so many reality TV shows out there. You could literally grow no, up on those. I know. I um, did, actually. I, yeah. <laughs> What's that? Look what? how I turned out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what educated people do, whether you have an advanced degree or not, if you just know that that's when I do have precious time with my kids, what am I spending time doing with them? And so they do say that um, they're going to spend more time doing outings together, uh, doing chores together, like you said, playing together, developing s- skills. Right. Um, they're going to eat together. One of the primary um, factors in having successful families is that educated or not, with a formal degree or not, an educated parent, those who know, will say there are crossroads in my child's life when they come in and they leave and bedtime's another one and mealtime's another that I can sit down and just connect with them. And that's called quality time. Now, mealtime may last 15 minutes, mm-hmm. maybe maybe 10 if you're lucky, right? You know, uh, that they're not going to bolt the food and go. But you have 10, 15 minutes if... If you can just harness that time and say, this is our, this is what we do as a family. Now, a lot of kids balk at that. If you haven't set in a routine and it's not right. a habit. Um, but, and you don't have to spend a lot of time preparing the food either. Um, but sit down and say, this is what we're going to do. Maybe two, three times a week if you don't do it at all. Well, and there's a ton of research around that, right? There's meal time. Ton. That is, if you'll just have meals with your kids... Just that would dramatically improve. Yeah, the... folks, you don't have to be advanced degree and have lots of money like the research says. Mm-hmm. These are what educated people do because they know and we all can act educated yeah. by saying, I'm going to harness a few moments of each day that are the most important. Another thing that educated people do, and research shows us as well, is the higher degree that you have as a parent, the less your children watch TV. Because, yeah. again, there's a correlation of, of parents who are educated read more. Therefore, they're more educated. They yeah. have more, and they've learned that reading is a pleasurable thing. And so, they're going to then also spend their recreational time reading with their right. kids or encouraging their kids to read. So, TV is not on a lot. No. Well, that also is interesting because when they're away getting educated, mm-hmm. they're not having time with their kids. Mm-hmm. But when they do get back as an educated person, they're less inclined to watch TV. And they're going to, those few moments that they are with their kids, they're going to be doing it with quality there stuff. You go. And that's what the research is showing. Yeah. And that's what we need to really say. Okay, and anyone can do that. Anyone can do that. Yeah. Let's take a, we got to take a break because we got to got to pay the bills. <laughs> got to pay the bills. We do. We'll take a break. More with Julie K. Nelson from a spoonful of parenting.com. You got to go check out her website, her books. She's the real deal. That's why they call her the child whisperer. More after the break. 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio, Julie K. Nelson, the bomb mom, the child whisperer, we call her, from the website, a spoonful of parenting.com. You got to go check out that website and uh, all of her books. She teaches parenting classes at Utah Valley University and marriage and relationship classes. She's the real deal. Today, she's teaching us more about how to get the quality time when we're with our kids. What else can we do? Well, we need to say, uh, what can I do to maximize the time that I do have with my, my kids? The research that came out of University of Toronto that you discussed last Friday was saying that really it's the quality rather than the quantity. Because there'll be parents that sit around with their kids and they just all are passive. They're all watching TV or they're all on their phones or whatever. And that's quantity, but is yeah. it really quality? So we need to decide when I'm with my kids, what matters most? Am I watching TV? Am I ignoring them? Um, also, they, the research in that, that one study said that if you're with your kids but you're stressed out, that's oh. a negative effect. Oh, yeah. And so if they're around you and it's really stressed out uh, time, then the qual- quantity is negative. Yeah. And so when you're in the car with them, let's say you really have a busy life, folks, and we all do, mm-hmm. and you're shuttling them here and there in the car. You're taking them to ballet lesson or to, to school every day. What do you do in that half hour with them in the car? That's maximizing it. And yeah. so educated parents will say, hey, I'm going to turn off off devices or whatever it is that I'm doing that I'd be distracted with, and I'm going to just talk to my kids. Oh, yeah. Um, and so they, they, they deliberately say, I'm going to take a proactive time for the kids. Um, without that 30 minutes, I, that's all I got. And they don't even know you're talking to them mm-hmm. because they're looking out the window. It's yeah. like you're tricking them. Mm-hmm. So uh, even the researcher said you need to have a fair measure of quantity time to get to the quality That's time. That's right. So I'm going to argue the other way just for a little yeah. while because you need to have enough of the quantity to even get to the quality is what she said. So I want to also bring up another one that was just uh, another article that was um, in the New York Times, September 5th by Frank Bruni. And I really liked it. He called the myth of quality time. So he's saying this is a myth. Yeah. Um, and he said that we can't script or engineer when our children need to talk and when we will need to right. listen. So I could say, well, I got 30 minutes in the car. That's it, kids. Tell me your deepest, darkest desires right. and, and fears. Well, they're not going to just come up, you know, when you prompt That's them. Right. So he's saying you need to have the quantity as well. So when they get a bad phone call from a friend, you can be there mm-hmm. and be right on it and, and handle it. So but there's some parents, Julie, that they're working. They yeah. got to work. Yeah. The, the kids won't eat. They yeah. can't have their cell phones without mom and dad. And they're, you know, they're young. What's a, uh, what's a hip brand, Ben? What's a hip? Uh, they won't have their Aeropostal Oh, yeah. Clothes. Skechers. Oh. Those shoes? Ben's not very hip, honestly. (laughs) That we're Uh, in the 90s. I should have asked somebody else. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. Or their tough skins. Oh, wow. We're going back to 70s now. Yeah. 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 Those are really hot. Yeah. So so, so so parents, I don't want to guilt you, but the point is we need to be available for when they do want to talk. And there's no real substitute for physical presence. So, um, you know, we can say I got 30 minutes in the car or I've got meal times and that's times to connect. But then we need to also be aware of when the child needs to talk, needs to talk. And we may not be able to script that. So he talks about Frank Bruni in the New York Times talk about how he takes a week long vacation with his family and extended family. And he's every year he's thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm dreading this. I'm dreading. This because I really don't want to have this week long vacation on top of everybody um, crowded. I need my own space. We're getting on each other's nerves. And he says, do I really need this? And he says, yes, because it is the quantity. And this is what he writes. I love it. There's a better chance that I'll be around. 
precise, random moment when one of my nephews drops his guard and solicits my advice about something private, or when one of my nieces will need something other than her parents to tell her that she's smart and beautiful, or when one of my siblings will flash back on an incident from our childhood that makes us laugh uncontrollably, and suddenly the cozy, happy chain of our love is cinched together that much tighter in a moment we didn't plan. That's great. Um, People don't tend to operate on cue. At least our moods and emotions don't. We reach out for help at odd mo- at odd points. We bloom at unpredictable ones. The surest way to see the brightest colors or the darkest ones is to be watching and waiting and ready for them, is what he says. That's great. So parents, don't feel like you have to force these moments, but just be aware. And if we're looking down at our phones every other time that we're not with our kids, we're not going to pick up on those yeah. cues where we see a child kind of downcast in their room, kind of a little bit moody. If we just don't go in and check on them, we'll never see what's really, hey, what's going on? Well, they should come to me. But no, you got. You have to be paying attention. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, so we, it's, it's good to have the, the quality. And when you can script those times, please do, parents. It does, research does show that if you have the meal times, if you talk to them in the car, if you, you know, just check in with them. Right. In those few moments we have each day, that really matters. But also open yourself up and look up from your phone you know, quite often and, and look and kind of feel what your children's feeling Yeah, and then ask them, Hey, you look a little bit, you know, down right now. What's, what's going on? Um, it's because those are moments that you, you just need to be there for. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I know I have parents who say, you know what, if a child says I need to talk and I've got to go to a meeting, I can't say, okay, I'm dropping the world stops because you want to talk right now. So I say to parents, no single moms or busy parents, I say, then you tell the child, I've got to go to a meeting right now, but what you're saying right now really matters to me. Hold on to that. And when I come back, you're my first priority. That's great. So, you know, just don't forget that they really need to be there. And if you can, stop, you know, and, and make that time for them. So what do you do with these two opposing facts, folks? You know, quality versus quantity. Um, they need both, but they don't need to be in, they don't need to fight with each other. They need, they can coexist, yeah. both of them. Yeah. Um, I believe on a daily basis, make the time that counts when we're with our kids. Reduce distractions like technology and overscheduling your kids. Focused, intentional parenting is what we're all about. Mm. I make moments matter. Like Bruni says, better to spend 15 focused minutes, responsive minutes, yeah. rather than 30 utterly distracted ones with your kids. That's what the research is saying. Totally, exactly. Oh, you could say, oh, I spent five hours with my kids today. Well, what were they do? What were you yeah. doing? Well, you they know? were actually playing with their friends. <laughs> I really don't know what they were doing. They were yeah. in the other room. There was two hours when I couldn't find them. <laughs> That's like my average day with my kids. It's so, true. Yeah, that's what we're saying. Get then, in. Folks. Get in. Yeah. And then be aware and be open to when the other times do just unfold. That's so good. Okay. It's almost like you know what you're talking about. Maybe. Julie I try. I try to do it. I try By the way, to the, par- the author of the book, Parenting with Spiritual Power and Keep It Real and Grab a Plunger, 25 Tips for Surviving Parenthood. Yes. Those books are on your website, a spoonful of parenting.com. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep, they're available pretty much anywhere. Good job. To buy. You did it again. Thank you, Matt. You done did I hope it you again. get better. I hope I will. you feel better. Next week. I'm... Next time you call me and you tell me if you got a cold and I'm going to bring you some I'm gonna, soup. Yeah, yeah, we'll make sure we do the order. Two bowls. Two bowls. Uh, one, one with for noodles. Ben. One of, with extra noodles. Of and one equal size. With broth. <laughs> Rude. Julie, thanks. Hey, have a great day, you too. You bet. You too. And we're going to take a break. Come back. Visit our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. <laughs> we're going to go down to the uh, Target Buddies, Bilbo and Frodo Baggins, down to BYU Sports Nation. Hello, gentlemen, and so- happy Hobbit Day. Something like that. Today's the day of the Hobbit. Every day is the day of the Hobbit. I don't need some random website to tell me <laughs> it's the day of the Hobbit. You, are you a big Hobbit guy? I wouldn't say Hobbit. Just, Do you even I enjoy, know Jeremy? I enjoy Lord of the Rings quite a bit, yes. Are you so, more of a Bilbo or a Frodo fan? I don't know. I hadn't thought of it. It's hard to choose. Uh, I'll go with Batman. Batman? Now, Batman was the outcast Hobbit, wasn't he? Wasn't he the one that they ran out? I'm not wearing hockey pants. At Townsend, I'm going to ask you a very important question. What? Do you prefer Martin Freeman, who plays Bilbo Baggins, mm-hmm. in The Hobbit or, or in his role as Watson in Sherlock? Uh, I will go with... Um, I'm going... I, I love, with all of my heart, Sherlock. You have answered correctly. He, I love that, and I, I'm mad because they don't make enough of them. Yeah, they like movies because yeah. each one's an hour and a half. Yeah, I, w- I wish they just made so twenty episodes this season. But he's a good Bilbo Baggins, but he's a better, he's a better Doctor John Watson. Oh, he's incredible in that show. Hey, I got a question for you then. Okay, would you rather have zebra that really is horse meat? Or um, ostrich or wild uh, or wildebeest that you thought was wildebeest that's really antelope. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's easy. What would you rather have? An antelope. Well, all you need to do is go to a restaurant owner by owned by Boss Kunal Sony. It's a steakhouse, and guess what? They're serving horse meat. That's wrong. Totally wrong. Yeah, I can't do that. Antelope, uh, antelope it, I can handle. And you order wildebeest, and you really get antelope. It's the bait and switch. It's really, it's, it's, the, horse, it's the horse race and switch. How is this ethical? It's not. That guy's going to have a godfather scene show up in his life. The totally. horse head in his bed. No, totally. Ben, Someone's going to do that to him. Ben, ben, was, ben wanted to play the godfather. <laughs> Ooh. Can you imagine waking up with a horse Creepy. head? Creepy. But that guy deserves it. That guy's in trouble because they found 48 pounds of horse meat in his freezer. Ugh. This was in England, by the way. So you're cool if you don't go to England. You're not, you're not going to have a problem. Okay. But just know, you might be, when you're ordering zebra, by the way, who's ordering zebra? Yeah. I mean, that's got, that's its own problem. Anyway, thought I'd bring you that. Kangaroo. Nothing gets past you Thank and your you. crew, Matt. Nothing. Can- kangaroo. Gets past have you ever had kangaroo? By the no, way, no, and it's, I will not. It's like it tastes like chicken. Isn't that what everything tastes like? Mm-hmm. It's the universal substitute. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> What's happening right now? Hey, uh, did you see Tanner Mangum on um, Dan Patrick show? We did. That's cool. We did. How about his answer? Ah, uh, which one? Does God care about who wins? No, God cares about the individuals. If God I love cared that. who won, wow. BYU fans think that BYU would have won some national championships <laughs> by now, right? Yeah, he doesn't care. 
but just yeah. with no hesitation, like the poise Cares he about individuals. exudes. Yeah, that's great. Like he answers really, really maturely. He's and, a good ambassador for BYU. Yeah. Yeah. He really is. Yeah, he's he's playing. Yeah, he's forthright. He's and you know what's he, great about this? BYU is going to be able to cash in on his tuition for four years. Oh no, he's on scholarship. Yeah, they're paying him. I was thinking they they're going to make like, you know, a lot of money on that guy just cuz he's paying so much tuition. Oh, absolutely. Oh, they'll make you, a lot of money on him indirectly. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Jim no. made the university a lot of money and yeah. he got This isn't about the money, boys. credit for it. Yeah, he did. This isn't about the money. It's about the opportunity to change lives. It's always about the money as well, by the way. It doesn't hurt, does it? <laughs> doesn't hurt a bit. Anyone that says it's not about the money that's, they're almost always lying. They obviously don't have any money. Yeah. Hey, do you guys have anything going on on your? <laughs> well, I can tell you with the surety, Jerem, that all three of us ha- do our job not for the money. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I 100% do this so I can get paid and help my family. It's also very fun. <laughs> I I could not afford to do it for free. I could not afford that. Oh, well, that's true. I do it for the to ladies. Pay the bills. Even uh, then, I'm bringing shirts with stains on them. Matt does it for a seven-figure salary. No, I do it for the ladies. Oh. <laughs> that meet me at the back door of the. Broadcasting Center. <laughs> They're all blue. I thought women's Conference was in August. All those blue haired ladies at Women's Conference. That's what I do it for. Hey, I'm fighting. TMI, a, bro. I'm fighting a cold, you guys. So every time you make me laugh, I want to hack. Okay, we will not make you laugh. Yeah, try to keep it. Try to, try to be more stoic. <clears throat> Horsehead, so, Godfather. Okay. Don't go there. Right. Yep. Hey, uh, you guys still doing your show thingy? We are. We are doing that. What, uh, what's today's topic? Today's topic. Sports related? <laughs> Go figure. BYU Sports, sports Nation. Con- sports content. We'll discuss something. BYU non-sports nation. That might have sports <laughs> in the subject matter. A new matter. show what? coming this fall. Yeah. What, what, what? What is or who is the most pleasant surprise of this BYU football season? The huh. list is growing by the week, Matt. Well, yeah, but there's kind of one obvious. Is the is he a, is he the biggest surprise? The most pleasant surprise? Okay, mm. I'd go with yes, but I get there's others. There's some cool people stepping up. Guess what? BYU has another Heisman Trophy candidate, according to USA Today's Gannett Heisman Trophy report. Hine, who? Nope, you got to watch the show. Oh, 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 oh. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, uh, Matthews. Nope. If he was elite, he would be, yes. Hmm. This is exciting. Okay, they better watch. That's all I can say. Mm. Yep. And, and, and you're, they can listen on this station in roughly eight and a half minutes. <laughs> eight minutes and 23 seconds. 22, 21. 20 seconds from yes. right now. Eight minutes yeah. and 20 seconds. Yep. And, uh, and they'll get both of you, right? So it's a two for one. Jerem's in a particularly snarky mood this morning, too, so I would really dial in. You the know what? The snarknado's about to unleash. The snarknado. The snarknado <laughs> is no joke. Oh, that's funny. You know why? It's because it's, it's celebrating the Hobbit Day. Do you hear that that cone of silence? Take cover. The cone of shame. <laughs> You're great. Kevin is a girl. You guys don't make me laugh. I hope you feel better soon, man. My lung just came out of my mouth. <laughs> okay. Misty. Speaking we of horse meat. 
goodness. Hey, guys, have a great show. Thank you, sir. Go Feel better. Go get ready. Do your push-ups. There goes Snarkado. Snarknado. Wow. That was incredible. I felt it. Wow, they're gone. They come in in a rush of wind. They go out in a rush of wind. Hmm. It's amazing what horse meat can do for you. Those are good guys. Hey, a little, uh, a few more headlines for you. A few more headlines for all of us. Today is Hobbit Day, celebrating the Hobbit. It's also Ice Cream Cone Day. You got to love that one. Here's a really interesting one. Um, an MIT graduate and co-founder of leading microbiome startup company, AOBiome, AOBiome, says he hasn't showered in 12 years. What was that, Ben? Were you sniffing? Why are you sniffing me? Can you? St- I'm just trying to blow my nose. Just stay on your side of the. Stay on your side of the table. You're the sick one. Gosh. I know, but you don't need to. You don't need to sniff me like that. Uh, chemical engineer Dave Whitlock told the Boston Globe there is no scientific basis proving showers to be a basis of healthy human hygiene. No one did clinical trials on people taking showers every day. He said. According to him, showers and other products like shampoo uh, strip good bacteria from the human skin. So instead of showering, Whitlock uses a spray of his own invention to keep his skin healthy and clean. The spray contains friendly ammonia oxidizing bacteria or AOB, which can act as a skin cleanser to clean sweat and oil in the skin. The bacteria that feed off of the urea and ammonia in sweat... Uh, turn the substance into nitric oxide, which is good for the body's vessels, among other benefits. AOB was once a crucial part of the skin's ecosystem, he says, but they've been lost due to modern chemistry in today's products and our lifestyle of showering every day. It's interesting because some countries, they don't shower every day. Ben lived in Germany. Yeah, that's, that's different. Ben showers twice monthly. If if I can get to it, yeah. I mean, if it's a good day. I mean, and yeah. if the water's if we've got good water. Yeah. There's there's a lot to go that goes into my showering schedule. Um, science is changing a lot of things. In fact, NASA, by the way, is working on um, a new shotgun for space. Brooklyn-based company is working with NASA to create the first ever space shotgun. <laughs> Developed by Honeybee Robotics, it will be used to test the strength of asteroids and other space rocks in order to determine if a mass is sturdy enough for sampling. So I guess what they're going to do is shoot this uh, space shotgun at a planet or an asteroid, I guess, and and see, you know, because when they hit it... Wow. Ooh. That's like the Death Star, Terry tells me. The Death Star. That's um, we're going to shoot a shotgun. I, is it great? Is this a great idea? Do we need shotguns up in space? Well, I mean, just look at Star Wars. Like they were destroying planets, and the Empire was destroyed. The NRA, by the way, National Rifles Association, they um, they're on board, and they're eagerly awaiting the opportunity to sign up as many extraterrestrials as they can. Pro guns in space. Put that on your bumper sticker and stick it on the back of your Challenger, your space shuttle. Good news for all. We will now have guns in space. Shotguns in space. 
<laughs> That's crazy. Hey, we always like to end with a great uh, hero of the day. Pastor uh, Earl Carswell was shot and injured while subduing a 26-year-old suspect, James Jr. Minter, who allegedly opened fire Sunday on the Oasis Tabernacle Church in Selma. Minter, whose girlfriend and one-month-old son, son were also injured. They fled the church, but it was he was later arrested. There were several heroes in there. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Curtis Muhanad of the Selma Police Department told reporters, it takes a lot when you have someone with a firearm that's actually firing upon a person in closed quarters area and you do whatever you can with regards to your own life to protect someone else's life. He said the pastor and others in the church were able to subdue Minter before the suspect fled. Police added Minter was captured later but by officers less than a mile from the church and arrested on suspicion of three counts of attempted murder. Man, what a killer guy. Pastor Earl Carswell, shot and injured, protecting his flock. He's the hero of the day. From the Matt Townsend Show. We need more people willing to lose their life, and even more people willing to live their life, to better the lives of others, folks. Thanks for joining us. Until tomorrow, make it a great one. We'll see you tomorrow.